the Bruins up along the wall. Schwartz, he'll clear the zone. A team that was in last place on January 3rd. The players on the bench are bouncing up. History will be made tonight in Boston. 15 seconds to go as Shen blocks a puck to the corner. 10 seconds remaining. Get up, St. Louis. Get on your feet. Raise them high. Five seconds to go. And the time winds down. They did it. It's over. The game is over. The series is over. The wait is over. And the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions for the first time in franchise history. Okay, we put it off as long as we can. Jets five, <laughs> Blues one. playing on the first pairing. He he really has no business playing in the NHL at this point. I'm sorry. I usually am not the guy of like you have to manufacture emotion, but do you guys care at all? You you shouldn't have to manufacture emotion for that. Mm. You had a game wrapped up for overtime and you handed it away on a bullshit play. It was terrible. Do you care at all? Because I was cackling. That's, how, that's my emotional response. I was cackling the way that the Joker cackles when he last looks at a burning hospital. It was just destruction, which was all I get to root for at this point because the team refuses to be decent. I do think that a coaching change just has to happen. That's where you got to start. I don't care. It's the that's only where you start. Wait, what's this I'm being handed? Mike Yo's been fired. <laughs> I honestly rooted against this team enough internally that when the whenever it was the rookie that scored his first goal against the Blues, I literally slapped my knee and yelled hot dog when he scored <laughs> because I was so happy. I wanted this team to just crater. Um, I think this is going to be the beginning of the, the end. end of the beginning of, of the, the end. end. <laughs> you know, like when the phoenix dies to rise from the ashes. Well, first it has to die, <laughs> and I think Mike Yo being fired would need to happen. For this is killing the bird. We got to kill the bird, and I think this is gonna be viewed as oh, they fired Mike Yo. That's the first step before maybe eventually Armstrong's gone and the steam slowly starts over. Uh, JR finished it by saying he would put a 60% odds on Craig Berube staying as the coach, which I do not believe in no. the slightest. There's no way that's more than 50 or even close to 50. I, well, I'd, I'd say it's 10. Yeah. I, I don't know where that came from. I mean, he knows more than I do. So Will you eat a sock if he's still coach? I like that they, <laughs> they got rid of Johnson. I mean, I think he was fine, but... Nothing special. I just like the fact that we no longer... Alan has no um, adult backup. For the longest time, he always had an adult backup there as his adult person, and they're gone now. He has Jordan Bennington, who has played less than one full period in the NHL, and is still allowed a goal on four shots. Yeah, everyone behind him is Huso and Bennington and Fitzpatrick. It's just... There's no, he's the most experienced, and that's it. So I kind of like that on 
back-to-back games, we just have to play Jordan Bennington. I think that's awesome. Like, yeah. sweet, we got a kid in there. Let's do it. Totally okay with him getting a few starts because I don't think Allen is the answer long-term. I'm not saying Bennington is, but it wouldn't be the wildest thing. There's finally hope on the horizon for the St. Louis Blues, and that hope is in the form of Jordan Bennington. The 25-year-old netminder made his first start and collected his first shutout. He's allowed just one goal and two starts, and that's pretty good. He's the goalie of the future and the number one goalie in our hearts, and there's nothing else to talk about. Bennington, 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 Jordan Winnington, Bennington. We're nuts on Jordan Bennington, so let's get started, and let's go Blues. before we complain a lot about this team and then and it takes longer yeah. but now we've won three so there's just less to say we're yeah. happy we don't complain when we win as much <laughs> and we've always loved this team and we've never harped on them we're always just <laughs> we as are, positive as we're the going most to be positive podcast there aren't any players on this team about whom we have any qualms or doubts i've never wanted you to trade a single one you can expect Totally unbiased coverage from here on out. And I guess we can just leap into it. It's This team is red hot and the best team ever. It is. It, and it always has been. And it always been. has been. Uh, but we do, what we do know is that the Blues have broken a franchise record by winning their 11th game in a row. Mm. They beat the... Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, the Toronto Maple Leafs on Tuesday while I was in a plane on the tarmac at whatever the hell the airport in Atlanta is called. I heard Chris Kerber call the win. I tried to contain as much energy and as little actual visible response as I could out of respect to the people next to me, and then I flew home. The unbelievable has happened in the 2018-19 St. Louis Blues have made the Stanley Cup playoffs. Of course, we already knew that, but it's still a reason to celebrate. We've got plenty to celebrate this week as we get ready to slay all day all the way through the playoffs. It's go time, folks, and it's time to get hyped. Get hyped. <laughs> oh it's playoff time. And that means get up. If you're sitting down, get up. Punch the sky. Punch the sun <laughs> out of the sky. Air Final. 
first time in franchise history, 51 seasons have won the Stanley Cup. I meant to scoot it's back. It's Stanley further. Kubrick's basketball podcast now. I don't know why, but it is. The Two Guys One Cup podcast is here, people. We got them. We oh got my one. god, it is. We're recording this part Friday, June, January, June, whatever. What the hell day is it, Ian? 14th. Mm-hmm. Flag Day. President Trump's birthday. Lots of stuff. Um. <laughs> <laughs> And the Blues are Stanley Cup champions, so who cares about anything else? Oh, boy. Say it, Ian. Say the words. The Blues are the NHL Stanley Cup champions. They are kings of the world. They are legends among all the Blues legends you know about. I always think about this now. Ryan O'Reilly has played one season for the Blues. He is a Conn Smythe winner. He is a Stanley Cup winner. I love Al McKennis and Chris Pronger and all these people, but they didn't win it here. You kind of catapulted a number one, buddy. You did. This whole team did. Anyone that played a giant role in this team is now, like, tops. They're tops because you won the cup. You're just tops. Everyone else, great. Great player. Always will be talked about. You can't erase that history. But now you just, boop, one higher. You won a cup. I can't believe it. I literally, I like, I, I believe it. Like, I got it now. Your children's children will be like Ryan O'Reilly was the was Con the Consmite winner and won the St. Louis Blues their first cup. Jordan Bennington was the goalie on that team. They will know all of these names. These names are like fresh to us, but they're going to be like historic. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what blows me away. I had a friend ask me today. What, how many years Ryan O'Reilly had left on his contract, and I said, well, four, but also forever. Yeah. He's never leaving. You don't get rid of your first Con Smythe winner. Oh, my God. They're Stanley Cup champions. It does keep hitting me over and over again whenever I watch replays and Doc Emmerich or Jim Hewson and or whoever I'm listening to, Chris Kerber, just like say the phrase right before the end of the game. It's like, wow, like that for some reason, those words always solidify it more for me. So I can think about it as much as I want. But when I hear someone on TV or radio say it to me, I'm like, <gasps> Doc Emmerich's voice, especially or Kerber's. Really yeah. So iconic saying the St. Louis Blues are you're like, no, they're not. I'm like, Stop it. It's just so weird. The game is over. The series is over. The wait is over. Great call. Great I told call. you. I mean, he had it prepared. We oh, yeah. That, he's got it written down. Yeah. They're probably dreaming of it. Mm-hmm. I told him I was driving to work the other day on 170. They have an electronic billboard that all playoffs long has said. 
Let's Go Blues on it and the logo and all. And then driving the other day, it said Way to Go Blues, and I like about lost it in my car. <laughs> I was like in tears, like, oh, they did it. I, I can't believe it. One of the times I almost lost it was when you sent me that uh, screen capture of Tarasenko's comments to Doug Armstrong. I'm getting misty mm-hmm. thinking about him now. Uh, about thank you for keeping us together or whatever, keeping yeah. us the same, whatever he said. Oh, my goodness. Yikes. I'm, I'm tearing up a little now. What's We got parades to go to and oh, stuff. We got to so stay strong. Oh, my God. Ah, What's so, wrong? So we did all the crazy, like, blah, reaction last time. So do you want to start just with the game? Yeah, and let's, then let's go back into the crazy. Black I was like, reaction. yeah, let's we'll I mean, go back. There's gonna be plenty of it. But yeah, let's be clinical let's to start. Try and be as logical and straightforward as we can possibly be under any circumstances, much less these circumstances. Um, yeah. The Blues were in Game <laughs> 7. I had to make sure our thing wasn't about to stop recording. The Blues were in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final in Boston, which in and of itself is insane. Yeah. Patently insane. And What were your feelings before the game started? So, very mixed. That emotion that we displayed in the post-Game 6 episode, mm-hmm. where it was just like, please, like, please, like, please, please, <laughs> please. You have an opportunity, you I'll must t- take it. I'll tell you what, and I don't, I don't usually, I don't really usually buy into the, like, special, like, narrative or, like, they have to or, like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the super fan or anything, but I saw the video... I, like, went to bed the night before and saw the video of Layla finding out she was going to Boston. Mm. And I was like, you have to. You have to. And there was a part of me, including the the part that went to seminary, where I was like, (laughs) God, if he's up there, Mm -hmm. has to. He can't make this team lose for her with her there. Yeah. But, like, during the day, it was just pure adrenaline and nerves. I am fortunate enough to have a boss who is a Cubs fan and former, uh, not former, um, You're so current, fortunate. current relatives who are Cubs fans uh, to walk me through the process of like, how do you survive? Not just like this whole process, <laughs> but a game seven. Yeah. Um, and I didn't get much to anything done that day. Um, and I think it was just, I, I told you a while ago, I think a lot of what I was thinking about was like, first goal definitely wins this. So please score the first goal. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just wanted it to start and it finally did. What were you thinking? How was your day? How was your Wednesday? Is that when this was? Yeah. Wednesday. I know only two days ago mm-hmm. and it feels like it already feels like a week ago. I was very nervous, like most people. I constantly thought, like, oh, what if they do it tonight? And then I'd be like, don't be a fucking idiot. You know what's going to happen, because you're a Blues fan. You know the Bruins will show up, and you know the Blues will put up a fight, and they'll be real close, but nope, it's just not going to happen for us. And I would constantly had to fight back that little bit of hope I had all day long. Until it kind of both disappeared. Both my pessimism and hope disappeared when they dropped the puck. Because, like, I guess 
I guess I just have to watch now. I guess we'll just see what happens. And somehow that was less painful. I think the minute they dropped the puck, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, puck Whatever drop happens, for me was happens. like immediate relief. Yeah, but the waiting was like, was like Jesus. Yeah. As Tom Petty said, the waiting is the hardest part. Yeah. And he was a prophet. R.I.P. R.I.P. Yep, rip. Uh, <laughs> so the Blues <laughs> were done waiting, and they started the game by forcing the Bruins to ice the puck. And let's talk about that for 15 minutes. <laughs> this is a key part of the no, game. Honestly, in a weird way, I mentioned this this to you a while ago. Looking back on that, I remember kind of thinking in Hopcat, like, where we watched it, like, oh, like, the Bruins have jitters, too. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not just going to be like a steam engine just plowing through us, although they were for most of the first period. Um, but... Yeah, the Blues got the icing, and they had the puck in their zone, and then they got their one shot. Only one shot for mm-hmm. 17 or so minutes of the like, period. Yeah, 16. The shot was seven. from Jaden Schwartz 33 seconds into the period, and we wouldn't shoot again until we scored, I think. No, boy got one from like a wide angle before, right? But it was literally like, like right, three like, seconds yeah. later we got the goal. Um the Bruins took over the rest of the period and were absolutely buzzing. The Blues were playing loose with the puck, making questionable decisions. There was the puck over glass penalty uh, on Pareko, yeah. which how many times did we see that in this in this series? I know one from J-Bo for sure. We, well, I know both one from sides, Dunn. though. Yeah. I think there were five or six total. I think you which just like, get antsy in your own zone. Stupid. You're trying to get it out, want to bounce off the glass, but a few of those were like airmailed. It was like they got way more on I'm it glad than I saw they did. a few people, a few like national journalists talking about how stupid that rule is because I feel justified. Um, but yeah, I mean, it didn't, we, we killed the penalty, although there was some. Mm. There was some uh, Moments and really the story of the first period is Jordan Bennington. I mean, until we get the goals, yeah, he was, you know, uh, Ryan Lambert, who's a, a New England area guy, and so is you know not going to be without his bias. He's a Yahoo hockey reporter and part of the Puck Soup podcast. Yahoo.com. He was making yeah. If you've heard of it, I know millennials have never heard of that well, website, not, but it does exist. He's not just some. It's Yahoo. where some of yeah. Well, maybe. Well, he kind of. <laughs> it's where some of you go to play fantasy sports and do nothing else. But in any case, what about America Online? Yeah. <laughs> does that even still exist? I think it does, but. I don't know. Flip a coin. Um, but yeah, he was he was making the point that he was tired of the uh, the whole narrative about Bennington bouncing back because like you have to be do that to be a good like to get deep into the playoffs. You can't lose consecutive games very often. Mm. And I get that, but man, this was the game where it really was just like driven home that this dude is a rock after a loss. And I think that sort of thing and that oh, just the big game performance, that's the sort of sort of stuff that gives me like no fears about him going forward. Mm. I still don't want us, and this is for another episode next week that we'll dive into some of this stuff more. I still don't want us to just like pay through the roof for him, but like mm. I'm not real scared if he gets any sort of reasonable contract that he won't be, like I said, I think in the podcast we did in the car, league average or better with, 
some huge clutch performances, which to me is Corey Crawford, who's won a Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. So and so is Jordan Bennington. Jordan Bennington on a Stanley Cup. Holy shit! Um, but yeah, I mean, he made the save on I want to say the power play where it was the like underarm save, yeah. which was absurd and so frightening. The one where it looks like he got shot dead. And he made several sprawling post to post pad saves in this period, much less the one we will discuss in great detail detail in the third period, which I think what really impressed me about this game was I think the Bruins, whether it was, you know, the exposure to him throughout the series or the knowledge of him through his time in Providence and the scouts they have there, I think the Bruins really knew how to attack him, which was get across the face of the net and move laterally side to side because he's not his biggest weakness is getting from post to post. And this entire game, whether it was luck, whether it was focus on that, whether it was just that extra bit of effort because it was game seven, he was stopping those opportunities, and they were golden opportunities. Did you happen to look up the natural stat trick? I can now. Um, but I'm I'm just wondering how many high danger opportunities oh, yeah. they had because they had in the first period. Let's see, all they had six, six yeah. yeah, and that feels right. And he saved all of those, you know. And we, I mean, we don't win the cup without his performance just in that period alone, much less the rest of the game. Yeah, he won. I mean, he won you the cup if they score in that first period. You can say the Blues come storming back, and that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. But, man, it is going to be hard in Boston at home. You had to take the lead, and you had to hold it. And holding it is all part of your goalie. And yeah. He did, I, was, I was dumbfounded that he made some of those saves. There was at least seven or eight times that I thought, yep, that's a goal. Yeah, and not and you know what? And credit to the rest of the team too. We had like twenty one blocks in this game. There were definitely times defense, where I was like, "Oh shit, he's out of position." For the most part, and especially yeah. in later periods, the defense played very well. There was a handful of times where I was like, "Bennington is out of position, or he's just not going to be able to get there in time." And oh, it was into Petrangelo's body. Oh, into Pareko's body. And oh, yep. Oh, 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 oh. getting past you there, but not get past you there. The puck did not. I did that to someone in public yesterday and felt self-conscious about that. Someone, I dropped it. Can uh, I sneak past you, line? <laughs> somebody? And I someone has so a meme bad. with the Blues logo, and it was like to the NHL, and I was like, "Oop, just gonna sneak past you there." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I need to find that. One of the best parts of this whole post. Get post win process, which is, I st- I feel like if we've got like a good week, still of just pure oh, yeah. adrenaline and joy, but like, uh, just finding and retweeting content, whether it's the players doing crazy stuff or memes or whatever mm-hmm. it is, wives reacting. Molly Bozak is a treasure. Um, the one I loved that I was gonna mention was Jordan Bennington. Two cops, da- I guess downtown when or when they were at Obi Clark's yesterday, whatever had put handcuffs on him and he was willingly standing there in him and Shin like I guess noticed for the first time and he goes what the fuck's going on over here and the <laughs> cops are like he stole the cup and they're like oh no but oh, it was God. it was cheesy but I still loved it because he did he did I do kind of love though the idea of telling like a forward who scored a goal in game seven he scored it stole the cup and it's like I helped too yeah <laughs> whatever I was there 
So, he stood on his head throughout the first, played absolutely incredible. I mean, we could break him down, down every save, but you've seen him all now. And the Blues didn't look like they had a prayer. But the more... We talked a lot in earlier in the series about how, especially like in Game 3, Game 5, where or Game 6, rather, where you get your early chances... And you just have to convert on them because eventually the other team is going to get them. Especially in the playoffs because the other team is very good. Yeah. I mean, I always think that for even when you're playing in the regular season. But if you're playing the fucking Oilers, eh, maybe they don't get any chances anymore. But when you're playing the other best team in the league, yeah, and that being the Blues, Uh they will eventually get chances. Even this relatively Uh defensive-minded team. Yeah. And so I I don't want to say I was confident because that's certainly not the right <laughs> word, but like hopeful. You at were some hopeful. point late in this period, I was like, man, they haven't they been they look like we looked in game three where it was like we we just couldn't convert and mm-hmm. Bennington was standing on his head, Rask in that case, and I was like, man, if we if we sneak an opportunity in here, it's going to be like golden. And I really did like leading up to the game, and I'll talk about how I felt after we got the first goal, but I was like, man, first goal for sure wins this 100%. I know it to be true. Mm-hmm. And I realize that's not saying anything because it's like a 70% <laughs> success rate, and of course it is because that's logical, but I was just convinced of it this game. And uh, the Blues finally register their second shot on net 16 minutes and 7 seconds after their first, which Sportsnet apparently on their, I guess, on their live broadcast put up a timer, which is god-awful. Can you imagine? What a kick to the balls (laughs) if if that was in the U.S. and you were to see that. That would have made us panic two times as more, Uh three times as more. Um, But uh, Sammy Boy took the shot on net from a, an extreme angle. Hmm. But it wasn't long after that, about 10 seconds maybe after that, that Ryan O'Reilly, who else, scored his eighth goal of the postseason, assisted by Jay Bomeister, who had a commendable seven assists in these yeah. playoffs. That's good. Which is like probably like his season total or damn near. I I, mean, he had a decent amount of points yeah. this year for him. But I looked at the playoff stats too uh-huh. for this whole team and I think I'm 99% sure he is the only blue that did not score a playoff goal that wow. played like any games in the playoffs. That's awesome. That's I'm so mean, I think, sad oh, for him. But yeah, oh, or, I think oh. he probably doesn't <laughs> As I say, he's 0-7, yeah. but I know. I mean, yeah, that's really good. Um, but this all started, and this may have been before the shirt first shot, where Blade just dumped Achari mm-hmm. in the corner. Oh, yeah, complete Achari turnover. Achari had it ready to queer it, and Blade just pile drove him. And Queen hit, totally clean. Not a trip this time. Not a trip. <laughs> Blade just took him to the ice, and we never... I don't think the puck left the zone again. A while later, the puck was behind the net, and Blay had it after his shot, and he dished it to Petrangelo at the line, who passed to Bomeister, and I couldn't I couldn't honestly tell if Bomeister was trying to shoot on net. It looked like he was trying to pass to O'Reilly. Probably. It was sort of a slap pass to O'Reilly, who slap redirected pass. it. And... <laughs> And through the legs of Rask, it went in and out so fast that that was like a delayed reaction where we yeah. were. It was like a, uh, uh, ah, you know, sort of thing. And 
I still didn't believe it. I mean, it's your first goal of the Stanley Cup final in Game 7, so of course I'm not going to believe it, but it was... It materialized out of nowhere, and it was funny. On the drive-in, just as a joke, I was like, what if Jay Bomeister scores, like, the Barrett-Jackman goal oh, in this yeah. game, where, like, for some reason he's just the guy that gets the one goal you need? And it wasn't quite, but it was pretty close. Um, Rask, not great. No. Not great. Five holes, never good. But, I mean, I'm not I'm not Joe Haggerty. I'm not going to bury him now. <laughs> He was great throughout the playoffs, but Ryan O'Reilly was the only guy for the Blues like in front of the net. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously he got the tip, but there was no no Perron wasn't taking away his eyes, or you know, Blay wasn't taking away his eyes. Excuse me, like no one. There was no one else in the middle of the ice but O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. That makes me think that that Bo Meester was shooting for a stick or was shooting for at least like a deflection mm-hmm. yeah. right off the bat because the guy was going to see anything. Yeah. Um couple of interesting factoids here. First player to score goals in four straight Stanley Cup Finals games since none other than Wayne Gretzky. Pretty nice. Pretty nice guy. Mm-hmm. Pretty nice. I like the extra S you put in Gretzky. Yeah. Way. Nice touch. <laughs> Gretzky's. Um, the other player was Mark Messier. Brian O'Reilly is also the f- only other person besides Mark Messier to have a six-game point streak in the Stanley Cup final. And uh, he's just the third player in NHL history to record the first goal for his team in four straight Stanley Cup finals games, matching Sid Smith in 1951 and Norm Ullman or Ullman in 1966, which would have been the Toronto Maple Leafs, Mm -hmm. because that was when their cup drought started. Suck it, Toronto. I don't suck at Toronto. They're NBA champions. Good for the Toronto Raptors. Yay! Kawhi Leonard, Jeremy Lin. Great. Uh, um, (laughs) Any thoughts on that goal more than what we've already said? Uh, When they scored that goal, that was when the first time I ever had hope that was confirmed, where I was like, oh, we could, sh- we, they've showed up. We could win the game. Mm-hmm. Zero zero, obviously, is like anyone's game. But one zero, even though Bruins could just post two quick ones, who gives a shit? Mm. I was like, oh, we could. We actually have the ability to win this game, which I should have already known, given the fact they're in a game seven in the Stanley Cup Finals. But you just never know, especially given game six that they had. So I was mm-hmm. like, I just don't know. And that one goal gave me real hope. I was like, <gasps> this could be real. And then I don't remember much what happened between these two goals. I don't know if probably Bennington made a save or two, but nothing. Was there a spectacular one in there? I thought he made a pretty big save right before we went the other way. Uh, Maybe true. Mm -hmm. It tended to happen in this game that way. Yeah. I'm pretty sure because, yeah, it was a rush down the other direction by Schwartz at Uh, the time. What really made this goal, though? Mm Mm-hmm. Was Brad Marchand losing his mind? He was very tired. He could had to save energy for the last eight seconds yeah. of the period. Or game eight of the postseason. His feet were burning. What if, like, just an iconic fuck up what a whiff. in a weird way. For those of you that hadn't noticed this at the time and haven't obsessively watched replays, which is probably none of you, 
what little was left of his brain just evaporated. <laughs> Jaden Schwartz was skilled. Sk- Skating into the zone, and Brad Marsham was in his way, and Brad Marsham was late on a change, and so Brad Marsham just walked off the ice. <laughs> and, like, Sh- Schwartz, like, had played it to the board, but not, like, in deep. Mm-hmm. Like, just, he was, Oh, he like, could have easily stepped into Schwartz and yeah. it not be an interference, yeah. especially in the playoffs. And especially in that game, which yeah. is something we'll have to talk about, but... Schwartz just skates and goes and gets the puck, and Petrangelo, who probably needs a line change himself but isn't an idiot, skates <laughs> into the space that's vacated by uh, Marshan. Yeah, Marshan just and skates by Petrangelo. Literally, too. like Matt Grizz, like looks back at Brad Marshan, like, where the hell are you going? Yeah, like, like you can I've see got it two people to on, cover. Yeah, now. you can see it on the replay. Petrangelo is now in wide open ice. And he front hands to his back, or yeah, he was a backhand. Yeah. Right? Um, he gets it to his backhand and just elevates it over Rask. It was a beautiful goal by him. You forget sometime how much touch he has, mm-hmm. you know, because like you don't think of him as like a handsy player necessarily. <laughs> but really nice goal. But it really is all just Brad Marchand just. I mean, I don't... Just losing his mind. Yeah. I mean, just honestly, just like in the biggest possible moment, just totally dropping the ball. Like props to Jane Schwartz. And I enjoy it because yeah. it's Brad Marchand, don't get me wrong, but it's almost sad to be like, oh. Yeah. Like he had, he just had... That's just like his life now. He has to think about that occasionally. Because well, they get out of that period of one nothing. Yeah. Well, hopefully he doesn't think... Maybe he doesn't think about that. Maybe he doesn't think that was his fault. Maybe he should. Yeah. <laughs> Props maybe. to Jaden Schwartz for giving that over the shoulder look to mm-hmm. see Petrangelo coming in. Yeah. Props him for doing the old uh, David Backus off the boards and around the guy that used to be a favorite of his. Mm-hmm. Poor David Backus. Um, oh, yeesh. There's so many things left to talk about. When Alex Petrangelo skated in that far, I was thinking. What the fuck? Like, as in, well, like, I was excited. I was like, oh, my... Not, like, what the fuck, why aren't you shooting? But, like, what the fuck, how is he allowed to get uh, all the way into Rask's face? Yeah. I was like, is, is no one there? And Pierre made... I think Pierre, one of those guys, Eddie, maybe, made the really good point. That couldn't have been Eddie. He wasn't counting players on the ice. <laughs> but he made the really good point of, like, Petrangelo knows how much time's left on the clock mm. and knows that even if something happens, they're probably not getting a chance the other way mm-hmm. where he's like caught behind oh yeah he doesn't so, have to be out of the point at all so he can just skate in and take his chance and he delivered i mean it's the biggest in this i mean it's the biggest goal of this game as mm-hmm. much as the o'reilly goal is like bigger in a way like this is the one if we're really honest there are two moments in this game where it's just like oh the blues are winning the stanley cup and this was one of them not only was it a late goal, which are always daggers. We talk about them all the time. Mm-hmm. But it was a second goal in a period where you only got four shots and you were dominated. Yeah. And I don't know how many shots. I'll look it up. But um, They got 12. 12 shots yeah. for the Bruins in that period. And 
you can't like you go to intermission and like of course we weren't thinking it we were terrified the whole time yeah i was gonna say we definitely were still scared but you gotta think if we are sitting in the brewing shoes we were thinking oh we're fucked yeah too early at especially like you said where it scored right at the Mm -hmm. end at a period you dominated oh you're boned you're if if we're in the other team's shoes absolutely boned there's no way there's zero way yeah because, like you said, you're going in the other period. The other team's going to wake up. They're a good fucking team. Mm-hmm. Of course they're going to wake up. And the Blues, I don't know if they, like, dominated the second period, but they definitely didn't sit on their fucking heels. No. No, absolutely. It was, I mean, it was remarkable. And the second period, man, I mean, I'd love to talk about it. It was a... It was <laughs> what really, a period. What a It beauty. was really fun hockey. Yeah. But there's nothing to, like, say. There's no penalties. There's no goals. There's the one opportunity that went, like, off the crossbar and, like, fell behind Rask. That did scare me. Yes. I was like, that that seemed like the one moment that might get turn them around. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, you have to make it 3-0 there. I thought for sure it was in for how long the ref was staring at the goal line. I was like, okay, he's going to be like, and a goal, but no such luck and. Yeah, you're right. That was the one where I was like, "Oh no, did they get the lucky break? Do they rally around? Do they mm-hmm. rally around the crossbar save?" And they did not. <laughs> I mean, the rest of that period, you know, the the Bruins outshot us again. They had uh, eleven to our six, and they had at all strengths fifty six. So I guess it doesn't matter in this period. Fifty six point two five percent of the Corsi. They had, but they had no high danger chances to R two, and it I was think this just, is where we ended up blocking a lot of shots this period. Yeah, the Blues really, and I don't love that they did this, but it worked. So I'm not criticizing it, but they really kind of went into like a mid to late '90s trap game. Yeah, a soft it was turtle. Just like, yeah, it was just like prevent good opportunities, get the puck in deep whenever it was possible. Hmm. And don't let them score, and they didn't. To their credit, they didn't. They made the neutral zone hell for those guys. It was just like the minute they got it into our zone, it was like right back out. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I guess we just go on to the third period. It's also hard to remember that period because of just like the pure nerves. Oh, just, yeah, total adrenaline. Just like, please don't let them score. Please, you have to score. By the time it ended, it was 2 nothing. I would... I don't. I don't know if I believed anymore. I quite almost, honestly, because I was like two zero in the third. We've seen the, the Bruins, Bruins come yeah. back. From I was going to say I almost felt less confident after the second yeah. than after the first. I know. I was which like, doesn't okay, make sense. Well, in the to, abstract, but to me, it felt like even though it doesn't, the math doesn't work out mm-hmm. right. We scored two goals in the first. They had all these opportunities. We went up, and it was like, okay, that feels good for us because. They couldn't score on their opportunities. Mm-hmm. This period, even though it was kind of even both ways a little bit there, it still felt like we had a better period, but we didn't score on our opportunities. Right. Neither team did, but I was like, this was our period to bury them, mm-hmm. and we didn't, so it was almost felt like a, yeah. a, a little more of a period lost yeah. where I was like, shit. I totally see what you're saying. I think that makes perfect sense. Uh, and the third period started, and the ice was predictably tilted towards our net like it has to be you know it's not if you're it's never going to not be if you're a competent team in game seven of the stanley cup finals trailing by two you will be the team with puck possession 
and we and they were and they got they ended the period tied in ten shots and we actually out chanced them five to three high danger chances, uh, but they dominated the coursey play at all strengths. It was sixty eight to thirty one. Um, but they didn't. I mean, they got some quality chances, but the real. Mm. I mean, the 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 highlight and the other moment that was just like. Not for us at the time, again, because mm. we're lunatics, but looking back on this game, there was the Bruins' chances evaporated when Jordan Bennington made the save that he makes on Joachim Nordstrom. Uh, you all have probably seen it a thousand times already, and here's the thing. You will see it for the rest of your lives. Yeah, that's the best blues save yeah, right there. That's the most meaningful blues save ever. Ever, 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 ever. That's great. <laughs> and may like even if we go on to win more cups, probably still remain that. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is when we won the Stanley Cup. Like we didn't win it for eleven mm-hmm. more minutes, but this is when we won it. I think everybody in that building knew. You saw the surrender cobras behind the bench. Yeah. <laughs> Horde right behind the net mm. for Bruins fans. That you just know, you just know, like the momentum of that turnaround is insane. So, for those of you who haven't seen it, which I assume is no one, um, Achari took a shot on Bennington's pads and it sat in the crease. So, he rightfully poked it away from mm. him. And his person, but his poke check went right to Nordstrom's right skate, like like you read about, <laughs> if you will. And Nordstrom is perfectly positioned to kick it to his front hand and tuck it around or elevate it over Bennington's pad. Just nothing, nothing you could possibly do. Mm-hmm. And again, as we talked about earlier, lateral usually is Bennington's weakness, so you don't expect him to. Uh, Make it basically no, with no offense meant to him. It's not his strength. I think as uh, as Steve Dangle said, Jordan Bennington went screw my groin and I'll get another <laughs> one. But he stretched across, got the toe out there with his go go gadget legs, and Nordstrom didn't elevate it. But I don't think I don't know that he had space to really elevate it. Unless yeah. he just, like, yoink, you know? Well, I always think we criticize players for, like, oh, I didn't elevate it's it. So but also, hard, it's a, and it's such a fast game yeah. that you just see you see Bennington's pad back, and you're like, I, I just got to put it in. I, yeah. just, I fucking see ice. I just got to put it in. And then, boop, there yeah. it is. And you're not thinking, oh, I got to get it over his pad real quick. It's the save of a lifetime. Doc Emmerich nearly has an aneurysm. Which best Doc Emmerich call I've oh, heard. Oh, so good, so good. I think he called it extraordinary. And you just, as I was saying to you a minute ago, we railed on him pretty hard last game, and some of it's deserved. But he ha- he has a really unique ability to like capture, like make moments meaningful. That's the problem you know? is that he tries to make every moment meaningful. That's the problem, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but you're right; he does pick like you're the watching, actual moment he elevates. You're watching some like midseason game between the crappy Ducks and the Colorado Avalanche in Pacific time, and he's like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" It's like, no, dude. Well, let's be fair; he would never be calling a That's Pacific true. game. That's true. <laughs> you're right. I knew it as I was saying it. That you're absolutely. 
exactly right. But yeah, I mean, just a, I mean, a remarkable save. There will be posters. There will be gifts the forever. Save. It's just it's our thing that we'll call the same. I'm gonna call it the Nodestrom. Nodestrom. <laughs> <laughs> And, I mean, it was, what, a couple minutes later? That was 11.03 into, wait, it was just 20 seconds later? I guess. I don't yeah, know. I, don't know. I thought it was a little. No, yeah, you're right. That, no, you're right, because we were, just, we were just watching it a second ago or a couple couple minutes ago, an hour ago. And it was, yeah, really quick, because every time we rewound oh, yeah, to find the Shen, it would go all the way back to the save. Um Braden Shin scores his fifth of the season, of the postseason. Found the right times to score him, that guy did. He did. I'll credit him. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko with his sixth assist, and Jaden Schwartz with his eighth. Bo Meester blocked a shot on our end, so I guess they got it, repossessed mm-hmm. it, and got another chance. And Schwartz passed it along the boards beautifully, and Tarasenko worked his ass off to get around... McAvoy mm-hmm. entering the zone. Chara lumbered over to Tarasenko. Dude, that dude, he's just not Sedanio Chara anymore. It's kind of sad. Yeah. But, and he also had a broken face. But like, It was the weakest poke check I've yeah, ever seen. And Tarasenko just yeets it through his legs. Just... Mm, so gorgeous, and Shin is wide open in the slot for the one-timer home off the post because David Pasternak is right behind him doing nothing and not closing <laughs> the gap. I don't know if, like, the... How can we be talking just, about this team like this? Is because it just me, or, or did bad. the Bruins look perpetually exhausted in this game? Yeah, I mean, they like did. The, the, and and uh, I realize they got a lot of good chances, but, like, I think that was the gas. They put all the gas in, in the, the first, first period. period. Yeah, because like you, that that Marshan play, like how? Like your brain has to just break. A guy's in front of you. Like how? How, how unengaged are you in a yeah. game seven? <laughs> exactly. Seriously, how like, much like, does uh, your brain just stop to be looking at a guy and thinking, "I'm getting off." I'm getting yeah. off. You know, like. He's right. No. I'm serious. It's got to be kind of like Zdeno Charov has the weakest poke check of all time on Tarasenko here. I just think at some point, you're right, they're sort of unengaged, and they're like, you know what? This nothing going to happen. Mm-hmm. Ain't nothing going to happen. All right, I'll try and poke check. It's not like he's going to get the pass like, between my legs into Braden Shen. And then it's like, oh, shit. Brad Marchand's like, they got like eight seconds. Will you do score? And it's like, yeah, yes. Yeah, and Braden Shen here has an all-time Sally. Oh, it's so good. Just a straight uppercut into the sky. I didn't think this puck went Cloud in. Nine, where we currently are broadcasting from. I forgot to say that at the start. I Everybody forgot. No one knows. Little call back to episode five or game five. But yeah, when he fired this in, because it's like off the post, it's just barely in off the post and then, and it's what on the far side. Gorgeous goal. Yeah, I like that we had like one of every kind in this mm-hmm. game. Where and this one was just like straight tape to tape to twine. You know. Yeah. Just, mm. Like you were saying, yeah, this is like a real hockey goal. This is yeah. what real real teams do. Man, I can't Real teams like the Stanley the Cup, Cup champions. champions. Yeah, and just the fist into the sky. Realistically at this point, it's over. But this is the one but where even we, still yeah. we're like, but it's the Bruins. And it's late though too, but we scored and I was like, Oh my god. 
Like, I almost thought, oh no. And my dad was like, oh no, like, we're going to win. Push. And yeah. Um, and like, they oh, did no. push. They got some good chances, but then the absolute sealer, 15 22. Zach Sanford's first Stanley Cup playoff goal this season. Did he get one? He must have gotten one in the probably in the Wild Series, I bet. Was it even here? Yeah, that was the year he came from Shattenkirk. Oh, maybe. I think. Um, Magnus Pearby can score, so can you. Yeah, remember that was the p- part of the narrative of that series was that everybody but, like, Tarasenko and the top people were scoring. Anyway, Dark that's days. in the past. We're not here to talk about the past. <laughs> Zach Sanford, really, this is David Perron's goal. Brian O'Reilly with the other assist. O'Reilly pulled up and fed a puck into the zone for Perron to run down. Perron, and this is, you know... As much on DeBrusque as it is Perron, just man beast DeBrusque to keep him off the puck. And it goes <laughs> back to that point about being exhausted. It's just like, I get that he's like working his ass off, but you should just be able to lean into him. I don't think Jake DeBrusque is tiny, is he? I think he is on the is smaller, smaller side. But J- David Perron's not a giant either. No, so. he's a 30 year old man. That's true. That's true. Um, and he eventually shook him off behind. And then the. Did he really? Yeah. Yeah. Shook him off <laughs> and then he avoided <laughs> a poke check from Grizzlick, which was the other lazy ass play on this, Jesus. and skated across the face of goal, dished it to Sanford, who had a wide open net, does not miss, and as much as I loved Shin's celebration, I think David Perron just losing his oh. mind here was better. And literally shouting, even though there are four and a half minutes left, we're going to win. We're going to fucking win. <laughs> That's awesome. Which is like, so like, I think you said in the bar, David Perron is all of yeah. us. Like That was the win. I mean, I know we keep talking about, oh, this is, I knew we were going to win or this was the game from, but I mean, that was like, yeah, that we, was the win before the cup comes we out. We celebrated that goal at the bar like it was a yeah, Stanley like the game literally just ended. And it was. It was. We talked about, so, I mean. Getting tingly just talking about I guess it. we can just, let's just finish it, and then we can go. I mean, with two minutes left, Matt Grizzlick, to his credit, snipes it past Jordan Bennington. Yeah, literally just right in the corner. Yikes! And great goal for him. You can tell they don't think. This isn't like the, ooh. Or they all rally up and nod at each other. Put a foot in the door. Yeah, yeah, this was like, yeah, well, fuck it. And <laughs> it wasn't until like 20 or 30 seconds left that the boys really started to celebrate on the bench. Um. We ended the game, by the way, with an icing and too many men on the ice. Like, 20 too many. So, it was a huge miscarriage of justice. But really, we talked about coming in... We talked about in the last episode, the last full episode, Mm. that this game could just be anything. Yeah. I mentioned it briefly, and I think we both felt, well, it could be anything if the Bruins win. If the Blues win, it's one thing. And it's and a that's close like a ass close, game. Terrifying, OT. OT yeah. win. It was. It wasn't like it wasn't a blowout in the traditional sense. We didn't like manhandle. It wasn't them. a blow. It wasn't even the level of blowout that really either of the first two series ended on. Mm-hmm. Even though they were one goal games where we were just absolutely the better team from start to finish, mm-hmm. but. It was a four to one, essentially four to nothing defeat. It was the. It might not have been a manhandling like you were saying. It might not have been like the best 
game we played start to finish, but it was definitely like the most like to the T road game ever, mm-hmm. like road win. Because you in a road win, you need your goalie to be amazing, and mm-hmm. Jordan Bennington was, and you need timely goals when you get the opportunities, and we got them. Mm-hmm. I mean, four shots in the first period, and even though the Sammy Blay shot's not a goal, it generates a chance that turns into the Ryan O'Reilly goal. So like three of your four shots have something to do with a goal. Mm-hmm. Like, you just capitalized every time you could. Yeah. It might not have been, you know, a 6-0 drubbing with, like, a Corsi 4 of 70%, but it was, like, as clean a win as you could possibly get. Yeah. Yeah. And it's unbel- It's that's what's unbelievable to me. Them winning the cup for some, has at now, has sunk in as believable. How they, <laughs> how they did it is unbelievable. Yeah. I, we watched it just... An hour ago, the highlights and kind of long, long version of it. Um, and it's just like, really? We really? We just scored at all those times? <laughs> like, yeah. we just did it? Uh huh. Because that has not, that's been this team, I guess, this year's team. That has not been the Blues. That has not been the St. Louis Blues. Well, the thing, like. <laughs> and it was just made no sense. I never would have guessed that. The thing is. We kept saying, everyone kept saying, well, this is a different blues, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it, it was ultimately, oh, it yeah. was. and I mean, it was cause we got there, Yeah, yeah. but also at the close of day, <laughs> we'd put ourselves in a position to erase all of that. Mm-hmm. Not that, I mean, that's unfair to what this team accomplished, but if they go out and just get schnozzed on Boston's ice mm-hmm. after getting schnozzed on home ice two straight games to lose a cup series that you had three to two. To me, that erases a lot of what they accomplished. Mm-hmm. Historically, it makes this look, it makes that run look the, really your best cool, run, but also so awful run. Yeah. I was, I want to make this point because I thought it was pretty cool. And I can't make it now because we won, but it was going to be if we lost. But, like, do you know, like, Schrodinger's cat? Uh-huh. Where it's like, oh, it's in a box and it might be dead or it might be alive. If you don't open the box, it's both. Yeah, that would be the blues if they lost. It was like, this is a team that is the best team you've ever had. Ever. It is also the biggest disappointment <laughs> of their lives, and I cannot stand it. And it's, it would have been both. We would have had such a weird, like... I almost wish I could travel to an alternate dimension just to hear our podcast from a loss. Steve would be laying in a pool of his own blood. <laughs> He'd be like, oh, it got, it got dark back to the other one. <laughs> Captain America, don't tell you about that. Um, no, Time sure changes things. He sure does not. But yeah, I mean, I was watching, even while we were watching the highlights, I was watching the Bruins look all sad, and mm. with the exception of Brad Marchand, I felt bad for them. I know. I was like, I, cause I felt we, like I we prepped for it. that feeling. We prepped so hard and for that even feeling. even watching it back, like, I have no idea how I would have survived. Mm-hmm. I mean, in some ways, it's like, well, you survived because you've been a Blues fan your whole life. You've been mm-hmm. prepared for this since infancy. <laughs> But not like that. <laughs> and um, 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, the difference here to me, not to go back to a little bit of analysis, mm. one penalty call in the entire game. Yeah, we said it in our and short podcast, I, but bravo to those refs. If I'm Jeremy Jacobs, I am furious. Not, not because they buried the whistle, mm-hmm. but in six games you had, I just counted them up, 41 penalties called to both teams, most of them to the Blues. And then you decide, like, and I'm totally in favor of it. We praised the refs last game, and I think we should. Mm -hmm. And maybe you should know it's coming. You should. You should know that Game 7, they're going to bury with a whistle. And with the black eye that the refs have left on the NHL this I'm sure the refs just said, we are not... Yeah, I'm not. We are not affecting this game. I'm in not any way. doing some weird bullshit. But what forty-one divided by six is almost seven penalties a game, right? Mm. I'm not great at math, but that does work out, right? Um, and then you go down to one, and the, the 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 story of this series is the the Blues were massively better five on five. I mean, mm-hmm. dramatically better five on five. Their penalty kill. Was not great, mm-hmm. especially when we lost Sunquist and Barbashev in those two games. Especially Sunquist, four for four on four shots. Jesus, <laughs> their power play was awful, and I think mm-hmm. I said some point long ago in the series. In fact, it might have been in our opening <laughs> montage that has yet to be oh, assembled, God. but. I made the point very clearly. I'm like, maybe I made it an article. I don't know where I made it. But I made the point, like, back in the Winnipeg series, I was like, this team doesn't make a deep run without a better power play than Mm -hmm. this. And it never improved. And we're still a cup champion. In fact, it got worse. I was like, at least... I was going to say, at least it was... Okay to start, but then it got to one out of 18. We entered the series at, like, 18, 20%, which is not... Good, but it's not atrocious. Yeah, but I mean, we finished at close to five percent in this series, at least. It's yeah. like holy crap! And we changed the power play up, supposedly, and uh, <laughs> practice. Got to see. Yeah, we never got to see. And I would love if it was like you know, fucking Pat Maroon's at the point this time because <laughs> what we were trying didn't work, so anything else is I better. I really thought, and I'm, it didn't end up really working out this way. But I really thought Craig Berube might pull, like, an ace from his sleeve and just be like, deal with this shit. Vince Dunn's a forward now, you fucks. Oh, do the old... Or like, whatever. Do the know? old... Uh, and they don't do this anymore, the Bruins. Um, do the old Zidano charm front. Fucking Colton Branco's yeah. screen in your ass. Oh, yeah. imagine that. Just like, what? Yeah, you're like, we did not prep for this. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you didn't, bitch. <laughs> I'm Craig Berube, bitch. Um, Vladimir Tarasenko is a Stanley Cup champion. Yeah. <laughs> just saw the picture. Just some of the stats to wrap up before the gushing segments begin again. 33 shots to 20, but that doesn't really tell this whole story, because if you look at the high danger chances, which I have to pull up again, they we, were much more balanced than that. We know? had 10 to their 9, actually. Wow. I mean, all of our goals so were high danger. And if you look at the heat map, too... Oh, the heat map's nuts. They have a a bunch of shots in front of their net, but also, which are all probably all those like across the face of goal Mm -hmm. ones that Bennington got a pat on, but also just like a lot 
Bah, everywhere. Everywhere, but also, like, mostly not from great scoring areas. Mm. You know, like, both circles are pretty empty. That's general desperation, eventually. We yeah. just got to get pucks on that. Right. But the Blues, <laughs> they are, I've never, I've never seen a heat map this yeah. concentrated, ever. That's just a blue mass, right? Between the circles where all four goals were scored. Granted, one of those is a deflection, but, like, mm. I can even, like, I can literally tell you which of those G's is which goal. Mm. Isn't that crazy? Like, that's O'Reilly on the far right. It's Samford at the top. It's Petrangelo in the middle. And it's Shen on the left, on the bottom, I think. But in any case, it's just so concentrated. So it's like we didn't play badly. We just didn't pour as many pucks on the net, which I thought was going to be, like, the key. Yeah. And it ended up being the opposite of that. We had lost the face-off battle 51-49, to one penalty, uh, 36 of our hits to 28 of theirs, 21 of our blocks to 7 of theirs, which is another big story. And we had seven giveaways to the Bruins, 13. We also finished with one Stanley Cup to the Bruins, zero. <laughs> Boom! Mic drop, bitch, except our mics are in, like, very um, we carefully. We don't want to drop yeah, those. Bad audio. Yeah, that would be very hard on your ears. Ryan O'Reilly rebounded really well, and I mean, I know face-offs are all about matchups, but from being, like, just getting owned by Tyler Sagan... In that series against oh, Dallas, yeah, to like being serviceable again, which is like I guess bad for Ryan O'Reilly, but it's like <laughs> totally fine in the playoffs. That's fine, fifty percent here and there, a little more, a little less. Yeah, like I mean, he was getting absolutely destroyed by Sagan for a while there. I'm gonna be interested to hear what Patrice Bergeron was dealing with. Our boy Ryan O'Reilly, Con Smythe winner, by the way, mm. <laughs> was fighting a cracked rib the whole time. So there's not like. But Bergeron's not going to be able to say, well, I was hurt. That's why I lost all those face-offs. But I think Bergeron was oh, significantly sure. hurt. There's no way that you come out of that playoff run, anybody, without having like at least one yeah. injury of like a sprain or a That's the thing. Like Everyone on the ice is hurt. Mm-hmm. Every single person. That's why I always think if you're like Thomas That's, or someone who's getting held out, you're like really hurt. Not to not to be cliche, but there's a difference between hurt and injured. Mm-hmm. Everyone at the end of the playoff run is hurt and exhausted. And we were the team that was exhausted for just a little bit less time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jordan Bennington is the first rookie goalie to record 16 postseason wins. Mm-hmm. That's the top. No one's going to ever win more than them unless the NHL expands to like forty. That is an teams. interesting point. Yeah, everyone can anyone can tie him, but you can't beat him. Uh-huh. So long and as it's four rounds. Be the first. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. Bennington was also the first in the handshake line, which is kind of crazy. That's because he's stone cold. So give these dudes death stares. He's probably just daggering them all in this little comment. Neat, neat. Great, neat. great goals there, Bergie. <laughs> yeah. Just one words. Neat, cool. Nervous, nervous, You're, nervous, nervous. Nervous, nervous. <laughs> You're good. Not so good. <laughs> Rat face. Achari, little bitch. Little bitch. Embellishment. Or he's asking them all the questions that he, they say to him. Great series, man. You're incredible. Am I incredible? Am I? Here's your answer. I wish I had the cup already out there so he could like point, point at it when he does that. There's your answer. Oh, geez. 
That would have been amazing. Too carass, too bad. <laughs> too bad. Um, Actually, that's the person I felt the worst for. Was too carass because oh, he sure. had a phenomenal playoffs. Just he phenomenal. Got votes for the Con Smythe, mm-hmm. even without his team winning. The Can cup. you explain what Jr. Jeremy Rutherford, close uh, podcast friend? Tweeted back to you when you asked about Con Smythe voting. This Con Smythe voting is more complex than I could have imagined. Yeah. Um, The I'm trying to find his tweet while we talk, but I figured I knew from someone else's tweet (coughs) that um, that he that voting happened like not quite just after the game. Yeah. Well, from someone else's tweet and from how quickly they had the Cosmite named to someone. Yeah. But what I wasn't sure about was the process. And he basically explained that it happens in the third period. I finally found it. Okay. So you vote in the third period. And in a Game 7, you vote for both teams. I mean, I assume in Game 6, you only vote for if the Blues win, because the Bruins can't have a Conn Smythe winner that night, you know. But in Game 7, I think you make two ballots for whichever team wins. Oh, I see. I'm um, stupid. I'm like, sure, you can still vote for the other team. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, they can't win the yeah, thing. So gotcha, you make gotcha. a, yeah, you make a, if the Bruins win, this is my list. If the Blues win, this is my list. Uh, and then you get to put contingencies on the order. So he says, in other words, you could pick one guy number one, another guy number two, then write if number two scores two more goals or pitches a shutout, bump him up to number one. So there is flexibility, which, first of all, I doubt Jeremy Rutherford's listening to this, but the dude's such a class act to be, like, yeah. doing all this and also take a minute to, like, I mean, it was a worthwhile question, I think. It wasn't <laughs> some troll question. I mean, like, you should answer our question. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's just, like, really, I mean, just we are blessed to have him as a reporter. But, uh, God, I can't wait to, like, I haven't read any of his stuff. I've been too nervous. I'm mm-hmm. just going to dive into all of it for months now. Um but, yeah, I mean, so they voted in the middle of the third, and Ryan O'Reilly won it handed. Yeah. Jo- Jordan Bennington came in second. He's no longer <laughs> that goalie. We used to make fun of him because that's all we knew about him was his name. And now he's Jordan Bennington, Stanley Cup winner. Stanley Cup champion. Show some goddamn respect. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. You say something. <laughs> no, you. Um, <coughs> apparently my lungs are going to explode. Yeah, too so. much smoking. Yeah, no kidding. Too much vaping. Like, I've been sharing cigs with Sean Avery outside of the <laughs> creepy apartment. Um, I love how that dude... I'm like, glad Sean Avery, the one of the biggest assholes in hockey and who I don't like, is on the Blues side, and so now I kind he, of like him. He must have jumped... I don't feel it's like... To, it's to troll it Boston, Boston fans. Because he's, he's like a he New York Ranger. There earlier than that on the bandwagon, but you're right. Maybe. I mean, some guys have the weird connection. Certainly he went full hardcore to troll Boston. Yeah. Well, some guys have that weird connection. It's like, I used to train at blah, blah, blah gym, and yeah. so did Jaden Schwartz mm-hmm. when he was a rookie, so we know each other. Yeah. 
Um, and when you say some guys, you mean the entire Yeah, NHL. everyone, you go to two different gyms, BioSteel <laughs> or the other one. That's so true. Chem gym. <laughs> um, Brian, because we were talking about Consumites, Ryan O'Reilly last year didn't make the playoffs with Buffalo, wanted out, and directly said he lost his love of the game, and we've all heard it. And then this year was the Blues' best player through all 82 <laughs> games, a huge portion of the playoffs, and now he's a Con Smythe winner, a Stanley Cup champion. You, If you're talking worst to first, and he was not the worst player on Buffalo, mind you, but like literally on one of the worst teams to the team that ended in first. His worst to first extended past when the Blues were worst. You know what I mean? Like He's had such a journey where he didn't even really do anything different. He just changed teams, you know? He was always as good as he was, if not better, when he was with the Blues. And he was our best player through the entire trash period so, of this team. He the- completely deserves the Conn Smythe. I know it's just for the playoff performance, but, like, it's if you not, just... En- I mean, think about it. Not. If you just encompass, it, encompass everything... He's the guy. I heard Greg Wyshynski talk a couple of times on different podcasts today, and I really appreciate this because I hadn't... I didn't. I don't think people were noticing how good he was this season. Mm-hmm. And maybe they weren't. But I think I think Wish said he put O'Reilly in his heart. Mm-hmm. Top three, which I get, you know, not first. But, yeah. And he talked about, like, that guy really deserved more consideration. And then he made the point on the ESPN on Ice podcast, which is... A hundred percent true that that dude is the only reason this team didn't get blown up. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. If you he, didn't have him, this team would have been in... We were in last, but by last by a couple points. Yeah. We would have been dead yes. last. Like by so 15, far. 16, 20 points. So like as much as, as much as you can talk about Bennington and Gloria and Barkway and whatever the hell else you want to talk about... It's it's Ryan O'Reilly, baby. Mm-hmm. It's Ryan O'Reilly. And he's a Selkie finalist. He's a Lady Bing finalist. Which who cares? But, I mean, he's won it before. If he doesn't win the Lady Bing, <coughs> We've had two, two Lady Bing finalists in three years. Um, no big, oh, no, Stephen. We're very much goons. Yeah, absolutely. We're the worst. We're the worst. We're the worst. I don't care. As I said a long time, I don't care at all. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, listen listen to these numbers. Ryan O'Reilly played in 82 games this season. He scored 77 points and was a plus 22, is a Selkie finalist, a Lady Bing finalist, and won the Conn Smythe Trophy after being tied for the lead in playoff points with 23. Vladimir Savotka, Tage Thompson, <laughs> and Patrick Bergwin combined for 157 games with 29 points, and were a minus 47. I don't wish ill on any of those guys, and I certainly don't wish ill on the Buffalo Sabres. I really like the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah. Go we, get your cup. We love Anthony. We love Chad and the other guys that die by the void. I do. You know, I mean, you've you've also spoken to them. I, I to do, them too. But that's I'm not. I don't want to rub salt in the wounds, but that's already in the conversation for worst NHL trades of all time, and it doesn't ever have to. 
other than barring like Tage Thompson still becoming a great NHL player, which I think there's a small chance. I don't think there's a big chance. I think there's a small chance. He's got the size and he's got a lot of the skill. It's it's already over, baby. He won Con Smythe the next yeah. year, and you had a guy walk out, and they're they are buying out Vladimir Savoka. Mm-hmm. It's just a race to the finish line to see whether Vladimir Savoka or David <laughs> Backus is bought out first. They're Jim Botter- uh, Jim Botterill and uh, who's the actual GM and oh Sweeney, yeah. What is, is it, Sweeney? Sweeney? Ron Sweeney? Don's Don Sweeney. Sweeney. They're gonna be in a friggin' just sprint. To the finish line <laughs> to cut former Blues from their roster. Isn't it nice that instead of this year, the former Blue lifting the cup, it's which former Blues get <laughs> bought, bought out? <laughs> and uh, good. The and on top of everything else, now the pick we gave up is say, the worst pick. I was like, Stephen, what of the first pick? But which is like, have you ever seen the like the the graph? The, of the curve. Of oh, it drops off after like the top seven, seven or eight. Or eight. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it drops off significantly throughout there, but then it's just like the curve is the first round. Yeah, half more than half of the first round might as well be picking like second round, mm-hmm. even possibly third round in terms of like if they pan out or not. Yeah, it's the top picks and nobody else. Robert Thomas is 20th. Stud. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it happens, no, obviously. obviously yeah. Alex DeBrinkett was high second round. He scored 41 goals this year. Oh, uh, I love that. I love that a whole the whole NHL, minus maybe a few teams that didn't have a first-round pick, were pass like, on that nah, I don't want Alex DeBrinkett. Too tiny, too shrimpy. Some people probably pass God, on God, how twice. many people are going to do that in this year's draft after these two teams were in the finals, too? <gasps> I can't wait oh, for people God. to model themselves after the Blues. It's ineffective and will not get you <laughs> any sort of cup. Oh, my goodness. We need a Pat Maroon. Uh, get me, Pat Maroon. I, yeah, uh, I somebody's gonna overpay for. Good him. luck to the. To <laughs> I was like, good luck to the Philadelphia Flyers as they destroy their team and try and make it look like the St. Louis Blues. Best of luck. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. Alex Petrangelo after the game said, uh, talked to Pierre Maguire and said, in the moment now it's hard to explain, but what an unbelievable year. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed, like Pearson, uh, yeah. <laughs> Developed a lot of relationships this year. I hope going through mm. what we went through. I'll tell you what. I've never been more proud to wear this jersey. Yeah. Again, yes. This group of guys is unbelievable. And he said that he's been unbelievable since he came up here. It's a heck of a story about Jordan Bennington. Let's talk for a moment about Ryan O'Reilly's announcement of the Conn Smythe Trophy because it oh. was as lifeless as possible. It's like he announced it. Jordan Bennington or uh, Gary Bettman. Oh, it would have been dope if Jordan Bennington <laughs> announced it. Come get your Conn Smythe Trophy that I deserve to win, you piece of shit. Uh, but Ryan O'Reilly, come get the Conn Smythe Trophy, says Gary Bettman with less enthusiasm than I just like. Like he's. Like he's a mutt. I have seen, <laughs> I have seen fifth place ribbons at the Westminster Dog Show given out with more enthusiasm. <laughs> I have seen like participation trophies in middle school gymnastics given out with more enthusiasm. With all the little fireworks that go off for the Stanley Cup, I wish they'd have like one little sparkler, or, like the, <laughs> like the tiniest, just behind them. The other like... funny thing, I made this point to you, but the other funny thing about the Con Smythe is that like. 
it has essentially the logo of an NHL team on it. Mm-hmm. Not one that's won it in half a decade <laughs> century, but like, how do you have maple leaves on those things? There aren't other kinds of leaves. Because it's Canada, yeah, but also oh, America. I guess so. They need like they need like an eagle on I it now too. I didn't honestly think of. Oh, yeah, really? they should they should put an eagle for American teams and a and a leaf for Canadian teams, and it'd be all eagles right now. Bitch, not since nineteen ninety three. Um, can you? So the weird thing about the Conn Smythe is so that's a traveling trophy too, but the cup, you know, they pick up and they pass around mm-hmm. and all that jazz. Conn Smythe, they always pick it up and they skate quickly over to the side to just hand it to some other dude. Yeah, it's that's like, like don't this worry, is amazing, but this is not the main event of this evening. By the way, a fucking course Ryan O'Reilly drinks Guinness Draft. What a douche. <laughs> With his shirt open on the plane. I love it. Guinness is good. No, I know. I'm just teasing him. It was. It could have been any beer other than like Natty Light. You know, like any like a- higher end beer. <laughs> I do like the idea of everyone on the plane just trying to get through as much Bud Light as oh, it's possible. Like, it's trash. I'm like, I gotta get a fucking Guinness because I drink like a high-minded man's beer. <laughs> that locker room was trashed oh, and filled with God. Bud Light. And part of me, and with all due respect to Anheuser-Busch, was like, you can't get these dude something better than piss water are you serious like oh there's champagne like yeah i know but like beer wise come on man i think the only reason is because they're spilling more than they're drinking uh, yeah. and there's see like, they know they know no that there's no to point wasting good beer on <laughs> the td garden they have like away a locker room they have like a gloria brew now yeah Did you see well, this? it's coming out yes and i'm very excited is to it, waste my liver on yeah is it actually i wonder if it's actually going to taste different or if it's just like the bottles different because i know the bottle will yeah be i don't know if i hope they do like at least like a red lager or whatever they you know it tastes they're... a lot like laura brannigan yeah <laughs> R.I.P. Stephen. R.I.P. Stephen, she's been tweeting from the grave. Okay, this is as good a time as any because we're just rambling. So, have you listened to Gloria? Oh, a lot, yeah. But have you listened to it? How it's bad, you mean? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah, knew. Yeah. We all knew. Everyone knew that. That's part of the charm. But no, just the lyrics. Uh, yeah. So is she chasing someone and she think and she thinks that like this person likes her, but they do not like her. Oh, it's a very depressing song. At first I thought someone was chasing no, her, no, 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 but no, I know no, 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 she's no. chasing yes, someone. Yes, 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 I mean they literally that's literally a lyric, a line in there. Yeah. But no one's calling her, Steven. They mention that several times that no one's calling her. And then there's the her. line about her like Giving up and marrying for money, yeah, or like having or a taking a lover in the afternoon. <laughs> I believe the line is gonna fuck in the afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> Gloria, you're always on the run now. <laughs> a dramatic reading of Gloria by Laura Branigan. Running after somebody, you gotta get him somehow. I think you've got to slow down before you start to blow it. I think you're headed for a breakdown, so be careful not to show it. You really don't remember, was it something that he said? All the voices in your head calling Gloria? So, yeah. Should I continue? No, I think we we get it. It gets darker. I love the song. Fantastic. 
take nothing away from it. But today I literally sat there and I was like, wait a second. Is she like, she's literally chasing One someone. more stanza, may yeah, I? May I? The, the, the aforementioned. Save your snaps for later. Ah ha ha. Gloria, how's it going to go down? Will you meet him on the main line? Or will you catch him on the rebound? Will you marry for the money? Take a lover in the afternoon. Feel your innocence slipping away. Don't believe it's coming back soon. Just like her therapist. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Also, here's some shit I learned last night. Written in Italian in 1979. Laura Branigan covered an Italian song, according to Wikipedia, which is 100% trustworthy. Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I feel like that should have been figured in. And then they could have talked about how Robert Bortuzzo's Italian. Vince Dunn's very italian Alex Petrangelo. Yeah, lots of Italians on this team that really connect into the Italians. Carlo Coliacovo. <laughs> Did you see his bones. T- tweet where he put his big head face on top of Petrangelo like he was holding the Yes. Cup? I know it's all for jokes, but he was like, I'm with the St. Louis Blues family too. And I was like... Why'd you Nobody's put your hand in you a cup? <laughs> yeah, like you said, your bones can't take it. I hope they do. Everybody hold a cup. I want Alex, everybody hold the cup. Alex Petrangelo is going to invite David Backus to his cup day, and David Aww. Backus is going to come, and it's going to be like, ha, <laughs> you know. But like, oh, let's talk about David Backus. Yeah. Um, please retire. Get Ben. <laughs> I just like. I feel bad. I feel legitimately Fly your planes, bad. Save your pets. Hockey no more. Yeah. How much brain you got left, bud? Just don't like don't don't try to revitalize your career, dude. Sign, He's a punchy guy now. Fucking sign a one day contract with the Blues. Mm-hmm. They could even you could be on the ice for banner night. Take a skate. Play eight minutes. Is that fun? And retire. I don't know. I know. That's what I mean. What a weird, like, yeah, but also. I mean, yeah, only also, if you want ooh. to, or just do yeah. the one game and retire. I, we're indebted to everything he did for this organization. Yeah, he, he helped did, build it this direction. He did, like, in a way, put the pieces in motion to get where we are now. Yeah. It was a fucking Jenga puzzle to get there, but he put him in motion. He pulled out the block that made it all fall down. <laughs> yes, him, him leaving made this team slowly fall apart, which made it quickly come together. Felt it much stronger. Much like Mike Yo, his subtraction was addition. <laughs> oh my god, Mike Yo was a coach of this team in this year. But yeah, David Back is watching this from the press box and inevitably being shit canned. Just not. No. This thousand yard stare was so sad. To be traded, replaced by Sufjan Stevens or who the hell replaced him? <laughs> Crystal, like, Crystal Cannon. I was with you for a while. I was like, yeah, yeah I think it's him. <laughs> Let's find out. Is it more? Something more? Is that Carson the Coleman? Oh, you're right. Crystal okay. Camper was pretty close. <laughs> you had the alliteration. Um, Crystal Camper sounds like a Jason movie. <laughs> you are so, well, yeah. Jason, <laughs> Crystal Camper. 
Wasn't it Crystal Lake? Yeah, there you okay. go. Oh, the, literally. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Oh, I thought you knew. Got him. Okay. Smart. Got him. So smart. One thousand IQ plays. <laughs> what are you talking about, David Vegas? Um. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Look, we're kind of calling this on the fly now. Yeah. Let's talk for a moment about what the hell this season was, and then we can close by talking about how each of these players got to make a contribution to the Stanley Cup. I remember attending the rookie camp, which was basically a year ago now, Mm -hmm. and watching Robert Thomas didn't get to play much because he was hurt, and it was so disappointing. But you're watching Jordan Cairo, and you're seeing Dominic Bach in flashes, and you're seeing all these guys. Perinovich got hurt too, but he looked really good. You're seeing them all play, and you're thinking, man, the future of this team is bright. And then over the course of the summer, uh, what's his name? The the Corey Promen. God, <laughs> Corey Promen used to be like my daily, like, give me some hope, Corey Promen. I haven't <laughs> looked for that dude in months. But Corey Promen was like, yeah, Blues, number two, number three, two, I think two, farm system yeah. in the league. Robert Thomas is incredible. Jordan Kyrie is incredible. We're coming into the year. We've done everything. We've made the team as good as it can be. We, I go to Traverse City with our friend Garrett. He and I watch them not be especially good, but it's still just exciting to see how bright the Gives you some is. hope. Robert Thomas started this year in the Traverse City Prospect Tournament. And he ended up holding a Stanley Cup. <laughs> I saw Robert Thomas talking to his parents in the heist, in the hallways like the barely graduated from high school person that he is. 19. Oh, my God. And then the season starts. Can I say? Yeah. He lives with the Kachucks. And I think it's fucking hilarious that he won a cup and Brady and the other one's got to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> We're nowhere close. I guess Matthews could be close. Yeah, Brady's Brady. Nope. Yeah, sorry, buddy. Season starts and you're terrible from the very beginning. Five nothing to Winnipeg. Mm. We got shut out on opening night. We may have scored a five goal. One. It had I think Jane Schwartz got it. That would be hilarious. <laughs> I think we got one eventually, but man, they five spotted us. Can you us. imagine if Jaden Schwartz? I mean, I think you're probably right, but if Jaden Schwartz, <laughs> we talked about the it. Opening goal of the season. We talked about it super quick in our post game seven podcast, but yeah, even though it's the first game of the season, and you're like, oh yeah, just one out of eighty two, it still gives you like a little trepidation. The opening goal of this season was scored. With assists from Ryan O'Reilly and Tyler Bozak. By the way, after the Jets had scored all five of them. Yeah, yeah, of course. By Vince Dunn! Proving very quickly that he was not this year's last year's Ivan (laughs) Barbashev. Then you lose 5-4 to to the Chicago Blackhawks in overtime. Beat... Calgary five to three. I'm not going to read every score in a row. Please. Four We're to one, three one and one. to the Blackhawks. Three to two to the Diamond to the Diamondbacks. The Ducks. Three to two to the Canadians. Not looking so hot. You beat the Maple Leafs and then you drop five to four to the Jets and seven to four to the Blue Jackets, and it's the twenty fifth of October. 
and you are, what, one, two, three, two, three, and two, four, and three? Two, four, and three. Two, four, and three, I think a better record got Davis Payne canned. Yes. A better record than that. He was like seven and six or something. Yeah, he was like technically a winning record, yeah. Yeah, and he got shit canned. Yep. Because I remember thinking, like, we need to change something, but what? And it wouldn't be for most of another month that Mike Yo was fired. Mike Yo was fired on November 19th. They lost the Los Angeles Kings 2 0. Celebrated. Oh, yeah. I ran out of my house and into the street. This year, were we like begging for Mike Yo to be fired? Sweet death. Like um, right away. Yeah, immediately. That's why it feels so long because we think we think, and I, I do too. That like, there was a start where it was like, oh, they're okay, and then they dipped. But we forget that they were bad from the get go. Uh-huh. They were not good from like, day one. It's an eight month season. More what October like fourth to June thirteenth is nine like months. nine months. Jesus. And. You're playing games every two to three days the whole time. No wonder this feels long. And yeah, he takes over, and we're still not good. And we're not good. We're in last place on January 3rd. And Jordan Bennington comes, and we we find Gloria. We play a back-to-back the night Jordan Bennington debuts. That's why he debuts. He debuts on the road against Philadelphia. Mm. We win three to nothing. He shuts him out. Were they playing Hart at that point? Yes. So he outduels their rookie goalie. Yeah, which he'd do the, again later, I yeah. think. Um, the much, the quote-unquote much better rookie goalie. Do we win the second half of that back-to-back again? Who do we play? On January 8th against the Dallas Stars at home? No. No. No, we don't. We lose it 3-1 to one with, I assume, presumably, Jake Allen in that, which isn't to dagger him. But Stanley Cup champion, Jake Allen. How much good for that, yeah, dude. I was like, I'm so happy. The The St. Louis special, Tyler Sagan, John Klingberg, and Tyler Sagan open the score, <laughs> and then David Perron gets a sympathy goal. Second period. We didn't even roar back in the third period. We just gave up. <laughs> and then... Sounds about right. I mean, how close... I've heard, I, I didn't save the report, which shame on me, but I'm pretty sure I saw Jeremy Rutherford yeah. say Jay Bomeister was one game from getting cut. One game from being waived. One bad performance from, sorry man, you're toast, you're just mm. done, and we can't keep you on this roster. That dude played 30 minutes in one of the games in this series. Mm-hmm. And oh, I, if I was him, I'd down, still man. retire just because you just held a cup. I don't think he's going to. But I'll play next year, yeah, for sure. Alex Steen was so bad parts of this year. And that contract's still going to be hard to take, assuming he doesn't retire, which I certainly doubt. Mm-hmm. Too much money on the table for him. But he's like a very like he's found his role now and it's a very important one much like jake allen to a lesser extent because i mean jake just literally doesn't play mm-hmm. but like alexander seen gracefully stepped down into like a fourth line role with limited minutes and i was shocked 
when we were in close games, when I'd look up the time on ice, that he would still sit at like 12 minutes, uh-huh. 13 minutes. And I was like, holy shit, we're actually doing the thing people have always wanted years ago, even when we had players that like didn't deserve the time. No offense, Alex, but you know, you're just older and can't keep up. Which is and he what? was still part of an amazing fourth line, right? That was still him and Sunquist and Barbashev. What Craig Berube excelled at this year is that making people take the role that they fit mm-hmm. and convincing them to do it with class and dignity instead of under protest and angrily, which mm-hmm. the from Ken Hitchcock the report, special, yeah, which <laughs> I was gonna say from reports we've heard and it's you know rumor and innuendo, but. That's what Alex Steen would have done under Ken Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. You know? And Alex Petrangelo, we were going to trade him. We were day, we were like a day from trading him. The rumors Tarasenko was getting shopped. If friggin', if the Toronto Maple Leafs had said yes on Nylander, I'm certain we do not have Alex Petrangelo on this team. Oh, no. We also don't have a Stanley Cup. Vladimir Tarasenko was shopped. And you and I were saying, trade like, him. Yeah, or like, I guess. You have I like to. A, you need something. Jaden Schwartz was awful. And Ryan O'Reilly through it all was the one beacon of hope. Jaden Schwartz had like 11 Patrick goals. Patrick Maroon was so bad during the regular no, season. No good. I mean, he got better when the Maroon, when the, when the line with Thomas was formed. But mm. for most of the regular season, he was I think Awful. in the Sports Illustrated article, which everyone should go read. Um, I need to. I, read I think they mentioned that Pat Maroon was had an offer like to be traded. Like there wasn't an actual offer. Was like, hey, if you want, we'll yeah, look at we we'll at look at trading time. partners for you. Like that's what his agent said, and that's what Armstrong was like. Do you want to? Yeah, and because he was like, no, I want to stick it out here. And props to him. Robert Thomas, you know, got better and better and better as the season went on. Oh, yeah, that was, like you said, the shining beacon. Vince Dunn, which I think, I think Vince Dunn's going to roar into the consciousness of this league next year because I think in the playoffs his minutes got heavily limited, which I don't think was always a good thing. Mm. I think that's part of the reason the power play sucks so bad. But I think if he gets back to, you know, 15, 20 minutes a night, some nights Mm. next year, he's going to have... I mean, his he possession have 40, numbers are nuts. Points. He's insanely good, and you just you go on the eleven game winning streak, which was what February second to February twenty um, first. You lose with, to Dallas, I, I believe, with the All Star game in there. <laughs> and then, by the way, right after that, you beat the Boston Bruins two to one. How you doing? Boom. Uh, no, the All Star game was right after, right before that. Was it really? No, we had the duck. We beat the Ducks right before the All Star break. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. Because I remember because it like sounded the, super inflated. That we was were like, like the first win. We had a month yeah. of winning, and I was like, well, close. <laughs> also, by the way, right before that winning streak, we still dropped another game to the Kings. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> And that was like that was the thing we needed to do to like be in back in playoff condition contention, which both you and I said was impossible. Man, I'll tell you what, I love that we won the cup. I love it. Part of the fun of this has been shit talking this team, and it's this weird dichotomy of like, 
oh, they're so good. But I do like talking about when they were so bad. Uh, we're going to have to do that about the rest of the league. So. Oh, that's the best part because we we're so good. Cast down thunder for Yeah, time to just fucking rip on the other 30 teams. You suck. You fucking poser. And I don't, I don't know. When did you believe that something, when did, not that the cut would happen because you believed that with 30 seconds yeah, left. Yeah, pretty much. Seven, I'm like, so glad that was the truth because yeah. I always told myself I'll never believe until it's super close to the end. Uh-huh. And that was the truth. I didn't believe until it was almost, the game was almost over. Anyways, when did I start believing? When did you believe that something special was happening here? Um, I... Like, something special even for the... Yeah. Like, beyond the normal boys. The 11-game winning streak was fun, and it was awesome. But I remember thinking... I'll always remember thinking, even while it was going on, I was pumping my own brakes because it was like, well, remember when the Columbus Blue Jackets went on their 14-game winning streak and they faced the Minnesota Wild and they ended Minnesota's 12-game winning streak? And I'm like, man, what happened to those teams? Uh, I think one didn't make the playoffs, and or maybe they both made it and just got bounced immediately. I'm like, okay. So we had a really good winning streak. I just don't know what that means for this mm-hmm. team. A lot Like Buffalo had that 10-game winning streak, and then they after that winning streak, from that point on, they were had the worst record in the league. So I was like, okay, I just want to see if we can bounce back. And I, obviously I don't have the, I don't have the um, record in front of me after that, but... I think we lost. We obviously lost a game, and we looked better. We we looked better yeah. almost immediately. That was the start of like the resiliency for me. All of a sudden, we lost the game, and I was like, "Okay, is it going to be like five in a row, six in a row losses?" And I was like, "Nope, we won the next game or the next two. And I was like, "Oh, okay." And I think through March, because I had two or three games, I went to in March on our ticket our ticket pack, and I was like. We actually look like a competent team now, and we're in a playoff position. Competent team and in the playoffs, that'd be, you know, that's pretty good. I think that's when I slowly started to think we could make noise. And I was still being very, uh, is it bearish? Is it, mm-hmm. is it the opposite way? Where I was like, good okay, turn. thank you. I was like, they'll make the playoffs, and if we win one round, not an accomplishment, but also kind of because we were so damn bad. Win around and I'll be like, ah, win around and make the second round interesting was, I think, our bar eventually, was it not? It was like, have yes. a competitive second yeah. round. Well, our Greg Berube bar. Which, yeah. By the way, we can hire Greg Berube now. Yeah, I guess that's all right. Record, yeah. He's okay. Um, I don't think it ever happened for, for me. me. You're like, I still don't believe I it. I was trying to think as you were talking. I think. I don't know if that made it ever feel different than any other we, Blues team, though. I will say this. We got. To the f- first round, mm-hmm. and we saw our matchup with Winnipeg, and I honestly thought, I really thought, I was like, I think we could handle Dallas, definitely. We oh, did. I thought we were going to get fucked by Dallas. Yeah, you did, but I disagreed at the time. I don't know if I voiced that. I just, I thought we could handle Dallas. I, I really felt like we could handle Colorado, which in hindsight, I'm not sure we could have. <laughs> and I thought we would pretty strongly handle Nashville. Yeah, given but our I record. I thought Winnipeg was about our worst possible matchup. And it, man, this is the crazy thing, and I know we've talked about it, but like, it was so close to the same story. They were up two to nothing. Mm-hmm. In game three, on home ice. 2-0 in the series. I, 
or two two in the series. Oh, sorry, at this game point, five. I'm talking game five. I said game three. Sorry, but yeah, yeah they were up two nothing at home ice on home ice. The Jets were, and you win that game. You lose that game. You're probably losing that series. Oh, for sure. I know we won. I know we won series two after di- going down three two. But but did but did we win it going down after losing three games no, in a row? No, sure didn't. And we rally back. We dominate Game Six, and then it started to build. And then when we won Game Seven, I was still scared of the Sharks, but I thought, man, they haven't been that good. I honestly, you know what? I think I thought. I think when we beat the Stars, I thought anything's possible because Martin mm. Jones is real shitty. Yeah, that was really what I took in going into the Sharks game. Sharks like, back end didn't scare us. They snuck into this round to get this far, and Martin Jones. Real shitty. Did we only lose two games in a row twice? We lost games three and four against the Jets, and then we lost games uh, four, four and five, five against Stars. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Well, we were, I guess that's what how, were we ten and three on the road? Yeah. That's, I guess that's how you win cups. I guess is not ten and three on the road, one for eighteen. Powerful. Can't make that shit what up. We, did we have a losing record at home? Six six and seven, I think, right? Yeah. I know. I'm like, what? It's still, we were so good, and at the same time, it doesn't make any sense. And that's one of the things that, like, gives me weird optimism for this team is they're very good. There's obviously no taking away from that. Also, they're very queerly ways to improve. Yeah, there's still ways to get better. And it's the point, another point that Greg Wyshynski was making, and this will be more for our future episodes, Free agents could come here now. They might want to be Who's here. Who's going to say no? So, on top of us winning the cup, mm. we're gonna. This team's gonna rage harder than the Capitals on mass did. Not harder than Alex Ovechkin did. That no, he only became He's undrunk yesterday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was clearly still drunk in the handshake line for the Hurricanes. I know that <laughs> for sure, but. This team is going to look, and they, they they have to be. Like, after this season, I know we talked about locker room chemistry issues in the past, and I know everybody's always going to mm. say we've grown so close as a unit, but they literally have to be. You can't, first of all, you can't win the cup and be, like, have locker room issues. Yeah. Unless you're just friggin' loaded with stars. You're so amazing, yeah. But on top of that, they have to be after this run. And I could see, and I'm, I don't know if we pursue him. I mean, certainly we'd have to talk to him. But, like, mm. I could see an Artemi Panarin thinking, you know what? I'm not, Miami sucks. Like, <laughs> do I want to go back to Quinville, take my chances there? And, um, you know, risk losing for the rest of my career? Or do I want to go play with my best friend in a team that just won the Stanley Cup? And beat up my old team who, you know, traded my ass, basically. You know, had How people fun. beg like, for Brandon Sandback. I'm not Sandback. putting the cart before the horse, and I, I don't think Artemi Panarin actually is signing here, but... How fun would it be to just have him stomp the Blackhawks four times a year <laughs> for the next decade? Ugh. All right, so we got to go to the Stanley Cup parade on Saturday, and we recorded the first part of this episode on... Friday, and it felt unnatural to close with the parade and the little bit of criticism we'll be doing. Uh, And so we wanted to insert it here. So sorry, it's not exactly a natural flow. 
But here we are. Let's talk about the Stanley Cup Parade. It was awful. <laughs> uh, what? So we went down there. We took Metrolink down there. The Metrolink was full. By the, I not one to, car. All of the I cars. I have to say though, I think Metrolink did a really good job. They did all things considered because they do not get that many not, people normally. Yeah, ever. Not a frequent Metrolink rider myself. More frequent than you. This was only your second trip on it. I love the Metrolink. <laughs> did you know it goes underground? I did not know that. <laughs> I thought this was an above ground train. Did you know what? Do you remember what your first trip was for? I think it was a blues game, mm-hmm. but it was like when I was like eight or something. Your dad was like, "It'll be fun to take the Metrolink or something." Yeah, like that. and then he was like, looked at me in the eyes and was like, "We will never be doing that again." <laughs> I was like, "Papa, why?" <laughs> uh, so we took the Metrolink, and I think that. I mean, it was full. It was packed like sardines. But mm. for the most part, and it took a while to get on the the incoming one, the inbound mm-hmm. one. But for the most part, it was pretty well done. Yeah. And I think the city did that well. They had the arch ground set up well. The lines for the bathroom and for the beer weren't intolerable. They were way shorter than the... Uh, watch party lines, at least. Yeah, the, the watch party lines stuff, for so. the for the bathrooms are huge. Yeah, so um, that was all great, and I think I think the Stanley Cup parade was probably incredible mm-hmm. for the people who got to see <laughs> it, which was not us, it's, and yeah. wasn't I would think most people if because were, we yeah. were relatively close. We were right. We were like one, I don't know, we were like three feet away from being on Market Street, yeah. like the little street itself, and there oh, were we, still... not even three feet. We were yeah. like right at the curve of like... Yeah, and then we had maybe, I don't know, I'm really bad at distances, obviously. Ten feet, probably 12, maybe yeah. 15, I don't know. But to the to the end, yeah, yeah. maybe like 20-ish feet maybe, to like yeah. where the people were barricaded at. And obviously, if you went down there, you know, just a bazillion people, so... You're stuck behind them, and that's fine. That's no big deal. When we got there, we got there early, but we didn't like sacrifice yeah, life yeah. and limb to get there early. People took down their their canopies, which was nice. Bravo to the cheers to of take Bravo them down. Them. Good for them. Uh, yeah, and I th- I just think I love. I really I emphasize that I love that the players were so into it that they yeah. like, were walking on the streets and. High five and oh, people and spraying people with This champagne. is nothing against like the players. No, taking selfies with them. Or even the franchise or the any cups. of that. Yeah. It was just a, I think just a little bit of a miscalculation. It was the organizers. Because we couldn't see any of the players. It's we cool had that the they're walking around. With, like, but um, not great for visual. We had the trucks with like staff and like Brady Kachuk and <laughs> Yeah, weird. The cool, but like Brady Kachuk's on a place where I can see him, and Sammy Blay is walking around on his feet. Yeah, and um, we had to have people next to us be like, "Who's that?" And like, uh, uh yeah, it's Sammy Blay. Yeah, as some other guy says it, like five feet yeah. away, and you're like, "What?" And uh, yeah, and then there was also the like very long pause in the middle, the, like fifteen like, minute, twenty minute yeah, pause of the of just, the parade. It was bizarre. Um, it was boisterous. Like people were excited. Yeah. It was awesome. It was really incredible to see that many people downtown. 
but it was like it was disappointing for us to not like see the players or the cup mm. because you couldn't and by that we finally decided like if they're just gonna all be on foot, which I think the people at the very end maybe were not finally. Yeah, but I think they might like Maroon looked like he was up on a big rig, obviously, or like a big truck, and I think a few of the guys with the cup were on something, something higher. Yeah, but. Like you said, it made sense if everyone was on a thing, even separately, but then they jumped off every once in a while, ran around, high five people, get back on, and it moves. And you're like, okay, at least I can see the guy. But we got to, like, Robert Thomas or Ivan Barbashev or I think Sunquist at the time that were still on foot, and I was like, is this really worth sitting here and, like, seeing someone's hat bob up and down and be like, I guess that's him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just we decided it kind of wasn't. So mm-hmm. we decided to go ahead and move on to the arch grounds and try to get a leg up on the competition there. did not work. <laughs> I mean, we were on the arch grounds, which some people were not, so I guess yeah. it worked in that respect. And we could generally see. We were right at the yeah. crest of the hill. Yeah. But um, it, was, it was definitely a little disappointing to uh, miss out on seeing the players. Mm. And then the the per, the presentation itself, the rally, I guess is what it was pro- appropriately called, was strange. <laughs> we had, we were there like most of the time that the players weren't yeah. yet. And we had Chris Kerber talking to uh, Joe, John Kelly's family and Joe Vitale and... Darren Pang was out there at one mm. point, and then we got drunk Brett Hall, and he was so <laughs> drunk it was uh. like it was epic, but also very uncomfortable <laughs> for me. It at was least. funny, but man, I was like, I don't think he's been sober since he first was real drunk. Yeah, because if he did, four. like, wouldn't he have seen that and then like, I don't want to look like that again? Maybe he's just I'm Brett Hall and I don't give a shit. He was so drunk when he started doing the we. It's not let's go blues. It's we went blues. Yeah, and I was like, like, do you think let's go blues mean is like a command that we're going somewhere? Yeah, like to the, go to the cup. And so now we went to the cup. So we went blues. And Even I love that he tried to make, make it happen. Sense. It was great. And then he starts saying Gloria, but in the creepiest way. He's like, Gloria, Gloria. And I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) He's like, oh, no. They finally sent, was it Pang and Kerber? Yeah. Out to, like, uh, usher him off. He's a fun guy. We're having (laughs) a good time. We love Brad. He's having a good time. The highlight of, (laughs) I would say, the parade for me was seeing Boris the Chinchilla live. Isn't that Um, weird? Because that's... True, we're we're Twitter people. That's the thing we saw. And we see him all yeah. the time. But it was there. What? A, how chilling is that chinchilla? By the way, I guess. how can he handle all this? Yeah. Well, mean, I'm sure he's, he's just peeing in a young page views his hand probably. all day long. But yeah, <laughs> I'm never gonna give that dude a handshake. Bro yeah. hugs all the way. That's Your hand smells it. like chinchilla and pee. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it just felt weird for the parade for them to have all these personnel and those guys up on. These big, I don't know, Zambonis and big trucks and stuff, but then have the players walking around. It's very intimate for the people really close, and that's a mm-hmm. lot of fun for the player and a lot of fun for those guys. But for like when we were on market, we were like right by like the what Keener Plaza area, sort of. Mm-hmm. When you turn around, there was tons of people behind us. Oh, yeah, we like, were like tons. relatively at the front, and those people couldn't see. By the way, Chinchella's lifespan is 10 years, which oh. is not bad. 
That's like most dogs about. Yeah. You know? So I'm good for chinchillas. Good, good for Boris. Boris. Good job, Boris. Um, although he's probably had about four of those shaved off in the last oh, week. Yeah. But, uh, Just he, a weird decision. Just yeah. a weird decision given like... I Not bet. to have the fire trucks or the flatbeds. Because that's or, what you do, right? Normally? That's what everyone crazy? I've ever seen ever has done. Yeah. So I can see them. I mean, they do that in regular parades. And like yeah. a, and just a regular parade, people that want to be seen or they want you to see are up on a thing. So I don't know. Seemed a little odd. And like you said, the, the waiting for everything took a while. And also, <laughs> however many times my dad was losing it, however many times they had to say, like, we're going to get this party started, but first, and that would be like oh Lida Crusens coming oh, out. I don't think we realized how bad Lida was, too, because I've seen a lot of tweets yeah. about how awful she, she was. She got half booze. Yeah. She well, like, I think she was only booed because, like, nobody was there to see Lida Crusen, mm-hmm. you know? But and like, when she started, she's like, she was doing worst to first, but it wasn't like worst to first. It was like worst to first. Worst yeah, to first. The, and I was she like, also did something else, right? And I was like, what are you... Like, it was like not... Yeah, get your chant right, lady. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, it was very bizarre. And then they brought in, like, the lieutenant governor. Oh, I like yeah. They're like, look, we can't get the regular governor, who's not the governor you voted in anyways. Uh, that guy's gone. So we, But this other dude can't show up either. So here's the lieutenant governor. Remember how you vote for that separately? Here he is. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> and then they're like, we got to thank, you know... Uh, the the fucking Surgeon General of Missouri, you know, he's been a big help. And like, what? And I was like, and all the people cleaning up. And I was like, yeah, agreed. But then they'd try to. Uh, Chris Kerber started just naming dead blues. Yeah, he was like for everyone up and up upstairs, and I was like, "That's nice." Which, but then he thank just God he called the audible. Yeah, by just the way. brought the Kellys up because it was like, "What's for a while happening?" It honestly, seemed like. He was just going to go, like, season by season. I was like, yeah, that's happened uh, to a couple of blues because they've been around for a while. Let's not go through all of them and make this very sad. Chief got a picture with Boris, by the way. Nice. Oh, just a... Once the players got up there, it was fun. Yeah, it was really cool. Alexander Steen Steen starts doing the, like, in and out with the the wave with the cup. That was so cool. I love that. I mean, Bennington got his his pound of flesh of being like, I got emotions now. You know, look at me now with my emotions, which is nice to know. Um, Ryan O'Reilly said that this was like a city full of great hockey fans and great and even nicer people and and even more people that can handle their drinking. And everyone loved that. Everyone mm-hmm. cheered for that. He had his his Walter White hat on. Cool. You have a you have a man bun, and you also have a Walter White hat from Breaking Bad. Yeah, that was pretty neat. I like that for some I reason. I know, Riley. I just adore. I mean, I, we talked about it. We adore yeah. everyone on this team, but it's just been incredible to watch them, and it was incredible. I'm really looking forward to like watching the parade back. Mm-hmm. I've seen you know some of the highlights of Bennington on his crotch rocket, and yeah, um, Tarasenko like hugging the kid and, and all then that sort Blake of stuff. Grabbing someone's Blake child, child. <laughs> as you do. I think these French Canadian dudes party hard. Mm-hmm. Blay looks like he parties hard. David Perron looks like he's going for Alexander Ovechkin's record of how long can he be drunk. Um, yeah, th- these guys are going nuts. And then tonight they're going to Vegas. Then the handful of them will be at the award ceremony. Because, I mean, Ryan O'Reilly's got to get undrunk and clean himself up for, like, 
three hours out of the next, like, you know, week so he can potentially accept the selkie or lady bang. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got to be there, and you got to imagine they put a lot of makeup on him to cover up those dark eye circles. Because <laughs> <laughs> when is that? Is that tomorrow night? Or, like, Monday or Tuesday? Sometime this week. What's the is it, Oh, maybe it NHL? is tomorrow. Because they just went to Vegas. NHL Awards Day, Wednesday. Wednesday, Wednesday June okay. 19th. Man, that was last year when I was just pining for, for news, for, like, hockey news. Uh-huh. It was like, remember, we were like, is Victor Hedman going to win? Uh, you know... Norris, we don't know. This is very interesting. I was like, "Wow, we were, yeah, we were in the gutter." Who cares now? I don't care. I mean, I kind of do. I want, you know, I want O'Reilly to win Selkie. I want Ruby to win, win Jack Adams, which he also won't win. So, but was Army up for GM of the year? Yeah. Or, oh damn. He might. He might. I think New New York, the Islanders are uh, taking coach. At yeah. least I don't know who the other GM candidates are. No one good. Before we get too sidetracked, though, do you have any final comments about the parade? I was happy we went down. I, I, yeah, I'm glad I went. I There's a weird thing I thought about, it, like, if they do this again, I think, well, I wouldn't go again. It was important to be there the first time. Yeah. It was more hassle than it was worth. But I'm also thinking 200,000 other people might be thinking that, and they might have learned from their mistakes, <laughs> and it might be a much better experience the yeah. second time. But. Uh, really, I mean, I I hope everyone who was up front had as an amazing a time as it looked like they must yeah. have had. Uh, it was not well planned for the people, the thousands and thousands <laughs> of people that weren't in front rows yeah. seats, so to speak. Uh, and you know, I hope I hope we'll get other chances, and I think we will get other chances to see this team out and about with the cup. And I hope that you and I seize on those at some point, as I imagine we will. Oh, I'll definitely seize. We love season. Speaking of which, let's seize this opportunity to awkwardly transition back to our pre-recorded episode. Thanks. <laughs> see you later. Let's talk about the players that are here. And do you have the notes on what they accomplished? This we'll just figure it out as we go. We'll we remember. Know. We were here for the whole thing. I'm going to go. I think it'll be fun to go in the order they handed the cup yeah. off. So we're just going to talk about. You'd, you'd think they get progressively less interesting, but actually, there's a few interesting yeah. ones that get plopped in later. Oh, yeah. What? really amazes me about this run, and I'm sure this is true for every Stanley Cup team, but I don't know if it's this true, is that pretty much every player on this roster had a moment Mm -hmm. where they get to say, yes, I helped this team win the Stanley Cup. Like, I don't think Carl Carl Gunnarsson was integral to this team's progression through the playoffs. Also, if he doesn't score the game-winning goal in Game 2 of this series, we lose the series. Mm. Somebody else could have scored game that game-winning goal. Sure, for us. No one else but was no scoring one else it did. that day. Yeah. So let's start with Alex Petrangelo, who hoisted the damn cup. As, as you said, he's just the guy in the Blues jersey who's hoisting the cup forever. And he yeah. had the sparklers behind him, and it was a perfect photo, so you'll see it all the time forever. I was looking at, and I don't know. Oh, you do have it. 
I was looking at that canvas mm. thing, free canvas thing with all the captains on it. It has Bacchus on it, but it was before Petrangelo became captain, I I'm believe. Paint him in there. But like with look, Microsoft Paint. Like look at all those captains. We've had so many captains. And Alex Petrangelo is your cup winning captain. And that's and which is that's like a awesome. Which is like a thing we specifically said was impossible this year. At yeah, once, I'm sure. And I'm sh- and there's other and we've always been Alex Petrangelo defenders more or less, or we've championed him and really liked him. Not that he needs our fucking help; he's a great player. But there's been lots of Blues fans that have just been like, "Is this this dude is soft as hell? Just not going to win this team a cup. No backbone. Like if there's locker room problems, obviously you can't corral those guys. Mm. You know we need David. We would need a David Backus type or someone who's hard nosed and can make this team play hard and yada yada. And Alex Petrangelo is a Dougie Hamilton type. He just is. Even mm. when I've seen the behind the scenes locker room stuff when he's talking the locker room, softer spoken guy. Yeah. You know, handing the puck out and stuff. And that's fine. And that's totally fine. And you know what? If it didn't help anything, didn't fucking hurt anything. Like, he's just a guy, to me, that's one of those captains that's, like, leads on the ice. Mm. It's like an on-the-ice... By playing 30 minutes a night of flawless hockey at times. He got... I mean, we can say this about a lot of players, but he got better as the the playoffs went on. Like, he had some... Most of our decor actually had some really iffy spots to start these, like to start the Jets series and even the Dallas series. But I think this fucking these six dudes locked it down against the Sharks and against the Bruins, mm. and the, especially Petrangelo, just like our, our best two way forward. This like the entire playoffs really, be, or best two way forward, best two way defenseman, uh, bar none. It, I was just astounded. At what he did, because we'll, we've ripped on him a little bit here too. But like, he, I can't believe that he's the captain that we win with, <laughs> and not in a bad way. Uh huh. But like, just in that, there were just so many people that were like, "Not him. It's not going to be him." <laughs> I don't like, you know, I, whether maybe they didn't not like him, but you know, I just don't believe he'll be the captain. That to the point that it was like, "Are they right?" There's mm-hmm. so many people that are saying this that are they right? I guess. I really thought at certain points in the season, obviously, because we were so close to trading him, that like he was going to be um, like a much better Eric Brewer type captain. I was like, yeah, he's the captain, but you're just going to kind of forget about him when we trade him away. You know, he was a great player here, but you know, someone will be like, oh, was he the captain? I didn't know that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah, and I'm just so happy that we get to win it with him because I think he deserves it, and I think some of those soft-spoken guys. In the NHL, I mean, I know they're all soft-spoken when you're fucking interviewing them, but you know what I mean. Even behind the scenes, they're soft-spoken. Just deserve it. It was so cool. I don't. Maybe I'm a nerd. I don't know, but I am definitely a nerd. But like nerd alert. I don't know if you saw the video where he like couldn't get the Stanley Cup in his car because of the three child seats yeah. in the back, and that was like adorable, obviously. But like, it was part of me was like, oh, he's like a real person. Mm. Like, Alex Ovechkin's a real person, obviously. But, but he's like, also kind of like a myth. Yeah. And he's, like, also, you know, just drowning in booze. And I'm sure Alex Petrangelo has imbibed plenty. But, like, dude's like a family man, you know? He's, like, a, a, an approachable, relatable. He really fits the Midwest culture. I mean, He his, really does. His wife's St. Louis, and I get that. That's awesome. But, like, you don't get the feeling that that dude's, like, longing for the days where he, like went out to bars and drank till four in the morning and, you know, 
hang hung out with the co-eds. Like I he, hope tomorrow he's the guy that's super drunk. No, <laughs> that'd be awesome. But like amazing. Twenty five minutes in game six, twenty six in game seven, I think twenty nine in game five. Um just absolute he was third insanity. He was third on the team in the playoffs for points with nineteen. He had three goals and he led the team in assists in the playoffs with sixteen. Yeah, just insane. Ian, mm-hmm. do you know who led the St. Louis Blues defense corps in minutes in games five and seven, both victories of this series? Was it Alex Petrangelo? No. Was it Colton Pareko? Was it Jay? It had to be Jay Bomeister. Jay Bomeister, who got the cup next. I'm at a loss for words. I'm in an actual loss for words. Everyone's like worst to first. This guy had no functioning hips. It sucks balls. I mean, in a way, like, in a way, he's the best story on this team. There's so many good ones. So quiet. I mean, there are so many good ones, and we'll touch on a lot of them. But like, he's so quiet. He's so soft spoken. He's Alex Petrangelo to the nth degree. Degree, and that. Dude, how many games? players have gotten like buried by an NHL network analyst, dude? Do you remember that? Clip oh yeah, of the guy talking about him being just like easy to skate around and a no problem defenseman. How long was that? Recent was that when he was with that the was Blues? Like 10, I think oh, he was okay. still with the Flames. Okay, but gotcha. This dude played thirteen hundred games. First of all. It wasn't until he arrived in St. Louis that he ever played a playoff game. Yeah, and that was more than... 2013? Yeah, but I mean, that was more than 10 oh, years into his yeah, career. Yeah, 2002. Yeah. Just, like, absolutely ridiculous. And then... It's nuts. He played 1,300 games before his first Stanley Cup chance. And he's 35? Is that mm-hmm. right? 35, 36, something and like he's, that. He had no hips to start yeah, that's the season. That's what I mean. He had no, had no functioning hips. hips. He was awful. I mean, he was awful. And, and I blame part of that on this organization yes, for being like, we got to ice him. Yeah. Be like, but he's not, you he can't he play. He clearly was not healthy. I mean, clearly, because like, there's no other explanation for the 180. Mm. What I, what is amazing to me is that he somehow got healthy that was while the, playing every That night. it was not only a 180, but like yeah. a hard 180. It was like a... <laughs> 540. He led the team in minutes in the clinching game of the Stanley Cup final. He was a shutdown beast. He's um, he's a monster. Like literally I I genuinely wonder if I and I'm I'm almost certain it's true that if Jay Bomeister and Colton Pareko stood side by side just on the ice, like mm-hmm. not in action, a sticks two sticks lengths apart, they could cover the entire ice, right? With their wingspan, like, I would think, like, at least 95% of it. And they just became, and again, you know, hats off to Craig Berube and Mike Van Ryan for identifying this, but they just became the shutdown pair. Mm -hmm. Petrangelo, which I never would have thought would turn out this way, was more of the, like, puck moving like he's very responsible defensively obviously but more mm. of the like get up and go and get into the play sort of guy and 
Pareko and Bo Meester were your guys throughout the playoffs that were out there against Sagan and Ben and making them look mostly like shit. Mm-hmm. And then out there against Bergeron and Pasternak and Marshawn and making them look bad. They did not make Logan Couture look bad. He still looked really good. But he looked real bad in the last two games. I mean, did they only score like two or three goals? I think he scored more than that in the first four games, but he didn't score anything in the last Mm. two. What a story. Alex Steen, 1,900 games between Thomas and Alex Steen without a Stanley Mm. Cup final appearance. He was the dog of the, uh, you know, he was in the doghouse for this franchise, for this fan base for a long time now. Which is too bad because the guy's been here since like 2008. He had a 130 goal season. Does I think deservedly got that mid range contract he got at the time. And I is like was one of the best, if not the best, two way line with Bacchus and mm-hmm. Oshie for like three years. Until Ryan O'Reilly, also the best trade this franchise ever made. Mm. Well, Brett Hall, second best trip this franchise ever made. And I remember distinctly thinking a lot early in this season when we were so bad. And more about Bo Meester because I knew Steen wasn't going to go anywhere. Mm. But, like, I just I so badly wanted those guys to not, like, retire as disgraces in this fan base that were mm. just hated. Because I thought Bo Meester and certainly Steen deserved better than that. So much better. And they, now they're retiring, whether they do it this year or five years from now, as Stanley Cup champions. Is it just the contract with Steen? Because I feel like people just the, 180'd just on him hard. And I was like, I know he's not the same player, but why the it's fuck the do we hate him? It's the contract and it's the perception that he's somehow like a problem child. Yeah. Which I don't know if that's... What it a, may be that he's the outspoken leader. Isn't and Petrangelo's the, not the problem child, but yeah. It started last season when we talked about JR pretty much literally saying there's locker room issues and these guys don't get along. It, that's a recipe that we used to, we said that last season where, or at least I did, that I thought this team was closer, so much closer to a rebuild. Oh my God. A full so rebuild often. than ever winning a cup. And it was especially started with this fucking locker room bullshit where it's like, there's no way. You can't, if these dudes hate each other, you're not going to be like, hey, can we love each other? And then we can be a good team and then maybe you win the cup. No, they like, as far as we can tell, maybe didn't hate each other, but Steen and Petrangelo did not see eye to eye in terms of like how you are a leader Mm -hmm. at least. And you heard like Braden Shen and Vladimir Tarasenko were kind of like, didn't see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. And it was just like, how is this gonna? How is this gonna work? You gotta, you gotta ship people out. There were even Tarasenko's comments earlier in the in the series after, I guess, game two. Whenever he was doing his rub off interview about <laughs> like when O'Reilly got here, we didn't talk much. We were, mm-hmm. I was in a, I was in the back of the room or whatever he said. Yeah, like I was like, off the to the fuck? side and like, Verubi just stopped all that. Like. I really didn't think, and I think we talked about this, I really didn't think that anyone was just going to come into the room and fix those mm-hmm. issues. I thought the, the scars were probably too deep. But that and winning heals all wounds. You know? I, think, and like, I think Bruby really did help. I think. Yeah. For, he had to. Obviously. Like, but yeah, I just I mean, mean I, like, in the locker room, just in that, like, they. I think he just forced them, like, you know, fucking nut up and be like cool with each other or you're gonna it's just gonna be more of what's happening you have like the power to not have that happen and 
just credit to Alex Steen for being, whether or not he saw eye to eye with anyone in the locker room. We also heard tons of stories about how he was like a great guy mm-hmm. and like super nice to like, like took rookies under his wing, like helped try to like get all these young guys acclimated to the NHL and what it was like to be a NHLer. And I, he just seems to me, any stories, you know, be damned. I think he's just like a stand-up dude, and I'm. We mentioned it in the other podcast, the shorter one, that he's just like, he's been in our lives as St. Louis Blue for about a third of it. Like really, Alex Steen has been a Blue for as long as I've been really tuned in as a mm. Blues fan. I'm so happy. Like I will be. I think Alex Steen will yeah. be the first player that I am like devastated to see retire in a way. Like I mean, I've, it'll be his time, obviously, but mm. like. I've never had a player where it's like, oh, like, I'm aging and dying a little bit, you <laughs> oh, know? like you see beyond the veil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, That's true. It'd be the end of an era, and with Bacchus gone and all these older guys gone, it, he's kind of, you know, the, the, pardon the comparison, but kind of, you know, the last dinosaur there, really, in terms of, like, being a blue for that long. Yeah. Um, I'm just glad we kept him as long as we have and that he was able to get that cup because I wanted some people from this old era of the Blues to like be part of this team. Mm-hmm. I didn't want such a complete turnover that I was like, oh, that team never did it. And I was like, no, part of that team did. And yeah. he, again, and he was part of the Barbashev, Sunquist, like shut down forward line. They played great. That guy found some chemistry with those two guys. And I'm... I'm flabbergasted that he did i guess sunquest and steen you got the swedish connection but i i never thought i'd see him thrive on the fourth line i thought he would be on the fourth line feels like a soft russian like a euro russian Mm -hmm. not like a russian well he speaks english really well like a swede would you know yeah you know that's like a swede would speaking english like assholes but you know what i mean like he could have just been on the fourth line and just been buried there Mm -hmm. but he went down there and he was actually good there Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. They sh- they shut down that Pasternak. They uh, shut it line down. It's called the perfection yeah, line. Yeah. Thank you. I'll get my piece. And it was nothing. It was nothing. That's mind-boggling. They'll write like research papers <laughs> on that. To me, that's what always what made me always think Boston would win over us because I'm like, yeah, we've got some good players, but we don't have a Patrice I really, Bergeron. When we started, I was like, we will play really hard, we'll play really well. Mm-hmm. Rask and that line will ultimately beat us, mm-hmm. and we beat them both, that's and we beat them both in the end. Mm-hmm. Ian. How many games did Chris Thorburn play for this team this season? Oh, boy. Five? That is four too many. Just the one? Ian, how many minutes did Chris Thorburn play for this team this season? Oh, God. Uh, four. That is two minutes too many. Holy shit. <laughs> you guessed, like, real low on purpose, didn't you? Yeah. Chris Thorburn who turned 36 during the Stanley Cup run. Maybe on the day of Carl Gunnarsson's goal? No, it was 12 days ago, so a little after that. Probably on the day of our third game drubbing at home. (laughs) Happy birthday! (laughs) Got the Stanley Cup fourth. So we played two minutes. 
No, 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 no. He didn't reach two minutes. He played one minute. Oh, jeez. <laughs> he played. I I would imagine one very long shift. Yeah. His offensive zone start percentage, which couldn't have been intentional, was a hundred percent. There's no. Hell way, yeah. There's no way they started him twice in the offensive zone. So. I think it speaks to what a character guy he was, and mm-hmm. I realize you, on the surface, don't think he contributed to this run. Uh, that that dude contributed. I bet he's such. So he's a, a huge locker room guy. Seems like such a good guy. You could tell how much the players loved him, and that's another guy that just like straight up accepted his role. He used the, to be a regular NHL or always yeah, like a fourth line that dude, dude, but played for the Atlanta Thrashers <laughs> for a long time. Yeah, he was the Jewish-looking guy that's not Jewish. He was at, he was an Atlanta Thrasher for four seasons. Were they the good seasons? Just kidding. There were no good, <laughs> seasons. Were no good seasons. How? What? Yeah, and I was, like, thrown off that he got the cup, but it's a credit to him. Yeah, and you heard, like, they brought him up oh, earlier during he the... He played in, like, the OHL, they say on here, but I think he played in, like, the pretend OHL, you know, like, the second league. Yeah. Because I don't think the North Bay Centennials are... Who I've never heard of. Oh, uh, the second Spirit are a real OHL yeah. team. Are the Plymouth Whalers a real OHL team? They might have been back then. One of these things is real. <laughs> anyway, the Rochester Americans are real. But yeah, like, did you hear they brought him up because, like... His insurance. Yeah, he gets better insurance for his uh, child that has autism. Yeah. Um, He's the real black ace. Good for him. He's, like, I will always think of him now when I think of black ace. I will always think of David Perron when I think of people who have signed four contracts with the Blues. I love that one of Oshie Berglander Perron won a cup here. That's yeah. awesome to yes. me. And it doesn't matter how weird or redundant it seemed. Or, like, how David Perron is here on his third stint. But, like you said, it's so cool that, like, every contract you sign has been with us. Just proving that, like... He loves the he team. Loves and he loves it. He loves the being city. here. And also, by the way, proving that it must not have been that toxic in the locker yeah. room. Like, he came back <laughs> multiple times. So you, does he seem like a... From the outside, does he seem like a talker to you? Yeah, kind of. To so me. yeah, yeah. So like, I remember reading a long time ago that when he was younger and he was here, that he pe- would like not shut up. People were telling thing. him to shut the fuck yeah, up on the bench. That. He's like, "We got it, boys. We gonna do this and that." And it's like, dude, I'm so <laughs> fucking tired. Can you shut up? And I can still see it, but it's like so infectious and just oh so my like God, oh, after the goal. Oh, nobody was telling him to shut up after then. that fourth goal. Yeah, when he fed Sanford and he was just celebrating, that was like, uh, like oh that my was God. like that was my one of my happiest moments. Yeah. I love David Perron. I unabashedly, unashamedly love him. And now, and this is the best part about every player on this list. I don't have to. I never have to question that. Mm-hmm. I never have to feel bad. I don't care. His he's got three years at four million left on that contract. He might go to Seattle. Mm. I'm really going to contract. love him everywhere, every time, everywhere. I, yeah, and he had an amazing season too. Like he played, he was one of the few guys that was playing pretty well before we even turned it around with when he was with O'Reilly for mm-hmm. a while. Him and Sanford, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just glad. I'm so I'm so glad they all won it. But it's just like, I'm glad someone from that old regime, from like when I started watching in like 2008, aside from Steen or whatever, like 
won it. The, one of the one of the original kid line guys was here and won the mm-hmm. cup, and I was like, Ugh. everyone you always thought that might be the hope of us winning a cup, and yeah. it's a weird backwards way it worked out. Yeah, and you never thought it'd be like yeah. this, but yeah, that's so cool. David Perron hands the Stanley Cup to Ryan O'Reilly. I don't know what more we could say. Yeah, like, just fucking outstanding. I mean, the, he's going to hear MVP chants for the rest of the summer, deservedly I so. had a friend that's a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, and God rest his soul. I don't think he watched <laughs> a lot of Buffalo Sabres, or maybe, or maybe he did. Actually, maybe he watched way more, because he's a Maple Leafs fan and sees him more. And he, when we, when the Blues traded for Ryan O'Reilly, he texted me like, "That just seems like a lot." And I was like, "No, I got you. That's a lot to give up for one guy." And he's like, "Yeah." And it's just that he, I don't know. Sometimes he's dogging it out there. And I was like, "Really?" And I was like, "Maybe he's right. I don't watch a lot of Ryan O'Reilly." And no, the one thing that can never, never be said, <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly. And I texted him the other day, and I was like, "Ryan O'Reilly's Conn Smythe winner." And to his credit, he was like, "Wow, I guess I don't know shit about <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly." And I was like, "Yeah, I guess not." But, yeah, what if, like, not just the trade, like, what was made up of, but what a, like, to just get a person on your team, and then they are just the best player on your team, Mm -hmm. and they single-handedly keep your team afloat. Yeah. And they, one trade, there's so many things that had to happen for this team to make the playoffs, to win in any single game in the playoffs, and all these little factors. But, like, the Ryan O'Reilly trade is, like, paramount. It's the biggest thing ever for this organization. I know, like, the Brett Hall trade as far as, like, the player with all the numbers and everything, but, like, as far as just, like, significance to this team's final goal, the biggest trade. Has any team ever traded for a Conn Smythe winner? I'd love to know. That's a really good... No, I, I almost no. wonder. Like, it's probably it may have happened like at a deadline trade. Yeah, but like an off-season trade, that seems like more unlikely to me in a mm-hmm. way. It's probably happened. Well, yeah, because if you get a deadline, it's like this guy's good. Yeah, and then he's good. In a the couple of times, too. like a blockbuster guy gets moved yeah. to the deadline, but like, but what? What? Even at the time I when so we that trade was made, learning about the early yeah. trade, I was in my kitchen. I'd given up on the day. We were so depressed on that day. I know. Like, we got Perron. It, it wasn't and even like a very all okay. of those guys, but it was like we needed that. Needed more. We needed that blockbuster edition, and it wasn't there. And then I looked down at my phone to a text from Abs correspondent Jordan, and it just said "factor" in all caps. And I knew that they called him O'Reilly Factor, yeah. you know. And I was like, "No." Like what? It was like because it's one of those things. The trade had happened twenty minutes ago, and you mm. were probably reaching out like Stephen, where the hell are you? But I was like cooking and just not paying mm. attention to my phone. And yeah, it was just like pure joy. It was a huge trade, but it was like huge to make us be a good team, but never huge enough that we thought it would be like the fucking Con Smythe winner. Like, oh my god. I cannot emphasize as much as I've just breathlessly tried to emphasize how big a trade that is. There's no way to put it in the words. Yeah, ginormous. It's not like... A war- an award-winning trade, obviously. It's just, like, unbelievable. I can't... Now I'm actually thinking about it, and I'm, like, in shock, you know? Yeah. Because it's like, how do you process that? That's what I'm saying. Like, it was such a big Imagine, trade like, for us at the time, and even then, it dwarfs what it actually was. 
And, like, I know we've said this a thousand times or this sort of thing, but, like, imagine somebody comes to you in that moment and says, Ryan O'Reilly wins a con Smythe for this team. And you're like, fuck off. Yeah. You know? And then they're like, no, this year. Yeah. Ryan O'Reilly wins this year's con Smythe for this team. You wouldn't, I mean, obviously you wouldn't believe him, but, like, weirdly at the time you kind of might have. Well, you'd be like, well, I would have believed you as our best center. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, sure. And you're like, that was the trade where we were like, oh, this team team went from, like, we've added a nice couple pieces to, like, we we talked so much about how that trade made everything else make sense. Yeah, slaps people down a little. And it did. I mean, it made everything. It it undid 52 years of history, and Mm -hmm. Ryan O'Reilly will never pay for anything anywhere in the city of St. Louis ever again. Yeah. Especially looking that damn handsome. That I'm I'm very heterosexual, but not when Ryan O'Reilly is involved. <laughs> it's just not even a contest. Well, look out, Ryan O'Reilly, at this parade I'm tomorrow. For it. <laughs> Vladimir Tarasenko. I just <laughs> how many people get to have a week, get to experience a week, and know it's the best week of oh, their I lives. Know. Child born. I don't even think they have a name yet. I mean, it's not even ten days old, I don't think. No, it's not even seven, I don't think, yet. I think it was, like, right before game six. Maybe, yeah. Maybe right before game five, so maybe seven. But also, the most hair I've ever seen on a child. Very adorable, but so much hair. I thought you were saying very adorable, but something's wrong. And as you pointed out, I'm so glad that people, that all our core got to get points in this last game. Mm -hmm. And his was so sick. And how beautiful for him, like, kind of a weird irony of, like, joyful irony for him to get an assist in the, mm-hmm. fun, like, a critical assist. Assist on a Braden Shengel, yeah. and they embraced, and I was like, this is all cake, this is so good. <laughs> I, I, it's so crazy to me, I'm so glad he won. Like we said, it's not the Ovechkin thing where it's like, oh, he'll never do it. Mm-hmm. But we, he was on the train block, and we talked about it, and we were like, yeah, it just might not be what... He needs to be here. You just don't know. And that's, again, to reiterate, you're never asking those questions ever again. I don't know if Vladimir Tarasenko retires a blue. I tend to think he might. Probably. I tend to th- of the players on this team that I think are most likely to stay here forever, Petrangelo, Tarasenko, or Riley. Mm-hmm. I think anyone else you can easily see move. Pareko is up there. But yeah. He's so young that it's kind of foolish to, like, project out that far. Yeah. But... He produced in these playoffs too, eleven even, goals, even six Bennington assists. More than those guys, I can yeah. see, you know. But yeah, I, Tyler Bozak. Both of these guys, by the way, wrote Players Tribune articles about how bad they wanted to win the cup, mm. and Tyler Bozak did it this year. Good for him for being on a team that was on the up and up and up and up in the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, that team deciding not to re-sign him, obviously, and probably, you know, a good decision. Not a bad decision. Good decision. They'd have money to spend elsewhere. But then for him to come here uh, to a good team, but maybe, like, on paper, maybe not a better team. I mean, certainly not with a young core in the Maple Leafs. You're like, okay, yeah, this is pretty good. I, I believe in him. And then to win a cup. Then to be like, oh, that can't be what he thought. He says, yeah. let's win a cup. He's saying, let's have some really good chances at a cup. <laughs> and then he won a cup. And, you know, 
he was solid in the playoffs. I think he had a much better playoffs to start than he did towards the end. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I ever watched a play and thought, Jesus, Tyler, or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I think he just kind of existed, Yeah. quite honestly. And not to anything against him. It's more just that there were other people making ginormous fucking plays on this team that have just kind of elevated them. Yeah. Yeah. Solid. And I mean, and and to add more to that, though, like him and Maroon and Thomas, especially in the Dallas series, fucking beasts on in their own zone on the cycle. Just amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. And Tyler Bozak's a guy I could see, like, even if he moves on, I could see him yeah. being one of the, like, returning to St. Louis guys. Tyler Bozak, thanks for getting on the ice when Braden Shen broke his fucking stick. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the ice and uh, being a right-handed shot and passing to Jaden Schwartz for that game leading goal. Yeah, it's like, are we paying him one million dollars too many dollars? Sure. Yeah. Is he a, a like a, a godsend of a third line center? Yes. Yes, oh, yeah. he is also that. Sometimes he you just face need a third line center. Absurdly well. Mm-hmm. He wins. He he can score, can assist. Mm-hmm. He's like Patrick Bergwin on crack cocaine. I mean, yeah. he really is. <laughs> like, he's bigger-ish. He's not tiny. You know, he's not giant. But his wife, an amazing Twitter personality, for not funny. following. I'm just like, when he wrote that Players Tribune article, it was inconceivable that that would come true this yeah. year. And now it has. And I don't. Like I don't I love Tyler Bozak. I love everyone on this team so much. And that's what's like absolutely absurd about this group. Hmm. I don't I don't know. It's amazing. I love them all. Our beloved Tyler Bozak hands the puck to Jaden Schwartz. Mm-hmm. Who had himself a bizarre year? Oh not I mean not a good year. A, yeah, bad, year. a bad year. Yeah, just, just a bad the word year. For it. He was injured, yeah, right? This feels like ages ago. He was injured for a chunk. Well, it's Jaden Schwartz, so that's a good Yeah, I know, that's <laughs> right. At any point in time. Yeah, I mean, he had, what, 11 goals, I'm pretty sure, during the season. And then he finished with more than that, close to that many in the playoffs. Yeah. He had two hat tricks. Six goals across two games, a hat trick in, against Winnipeg in game six, and then a hat trick somewhere in there against San Jose, which I had forgotten about. Mm-hmm. That feels like so long ago. Uh, yeah, I mean, the guy came alive when he needed to. He didn't well, didn't he, have a particularly like fantastic finals, mm-hmm. but also he wasn't invisible. Well, he, he started out invisible in Winnipeg. We talked about that, but he got going. Yes, and to our point about everyone had a moment... The dude, like, powered us through the end of the Winnipeg yeah. series. So, you know. Was that four straight goals? He got the last goal yeah. in game five, and then, yeah, those three in game he six. He ended with 12 goals and eight assists. Yeah, uh, one more goal than he did during the regular season. Jeez. Jeez Louise. I mean, I'll take it, but yikes also at the same time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. He's got... Two years left on his deal. I don't know if he signs here long term or not right now, but mm. he, you know, him and Tarasenko were the draft that like changed the Blues forever. Started this, yeah. And now they're Stanley Cup champions. Again, like you said, it's like you never have to wonder. With all these guys, you always wondered because they were kind of getting into their prime and you just don't know. Mm. Are they are they going to get this team over the hump? And maybe they didn't as individuals, but collectively they were a huge part of it. And mm-hmm. 
it's good to know that Jaden Schwartz is a Stanley Cup champion. Yeah, that's really cool. Also cool is the fact that the person he handed it to, Pat Maroon, is a Stanley Cup champion, who celebrated his newfound trophy by yelling, fucking right, holy fuck, <laughs> which is a classic line. As any good St. Louisan would yes, do. Yes, that is true. He had already had a couple Bud Lights in between intermissions just mm. to get ready for the third, and he was ready to go. Again, I think he had a really big early series, both against Winnipeg, he was very noticeable, against Dallas he was, kind of trailed off towards the end of the playoffs, but again, was was still noticeable, was still at a really good forecheck, um, kind of got, it was kind of our dirtier player, maybe not dirty, but like our vocal player, mm-hmm. trying to get in Boston's head, trying to get in the Sharks' head, trying to push people around the, after the whistle. The, you guys are fucked is very famous now. Yeah. The one I, I like the one I just heard recently about Johansson where it was like, that was a dive. Don't dive. You're better than that. Yeah. Don't dive. <laughs> it's like, it's almost like a polite chirp. Like, yeah. don't do that. You're better than that. I mean, Patrick but Maroon you. should know. He's the one that uh, pushed, barely <laughs> pushed Essel and Bell. That's a good point. I didn't really think about to it. To score that fourth goal in game three against the Stars. Yeah. Oh, boy. And I mean, yeah, the Stars series was his series. There's that goal, and then on top of that, there's the game seven winner, and that's just, it's, a, it's one of the best goals a Blues player has ever scored. One of the Probably most important goals. Probably still the goals. best goal in this whole run. Yeah, because you know it was the only, it was really the only goal that was like, I mean, the I guess the Gunner someone too, but it was like the only score this or it's all over sort of goal. Mm-hmm. And they did score. I'm it glad, I'm glad a hometown hero did that. Uh, we were talking earlier that I just never really thought about Pat Maroon until he was on Connor McDavid's wing, you know, mm-hmm. and scoring all those points because he was a hometown guy, but he was just kind of a fourth liner, maybe third liner yeah. for the Anaheim Ducks for a long time. And I was just like, yeah, that's cool, but I don't need him here. And then he kind of showed how valuable he was. And I was like, well... It's funny how we didn't we didn't really think we needed Pat Maroon mm-hmm. until we got Ryan O'Reilly. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. And then we were like, oh, shit, do whatever you want. Yeah, go get Pat Maroon. Yeah. Hell yeah, let's do it. I mean, that's such a huge facelift between O'Reilly, Maroon, Perron, Bozak to what we had For last sure. year. For sure. And it's like, it's justified. Mm. I mean, it's justified. That's not really the right word. But like, it's, it's I, I don't think we really think about how absurd a change it has been I know we've done this we did this late in the year but like how different this team is from the 2016 Mm. run it's not the same team in any way (laughs) and that's really cool I mean the defense is mostly the same forward core is very different um Pat Maroon hometown hero gave it to boom boom Carl Gunnarsson also a hometown hero from his Swedish hometown, mm-hmm. not here, but, <laughs> but you know, you know, he has his own hometown, and he's a hero he's of that town in Sweden, and people know him. Stockholm, there. I'm sure. If it's Stockholm, or, I'm be mad disappointed. What's the other one? That's uh, Goth. Wasn't like Gothenburg or something? He Isn't comes that a Swedish? from Erebro. Cerebro. Oh, I love those X Men references. Yes, and it looks beautiful. It looks oh, beautiful. Sweden's always beautiful. I mean, during the summer right now, always daytime great. During the winter, awful. I never want to go there. That's true. So yeah. cold. Um, Carl Gunnarsson, a silent 
contributor, minus obviously the OT goal, but like a guy that also had a very up and down year just with injury mm-hmm. was out at the beginning of this of this playoffs and then came back in and then was out again, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was in and out, in and out yeah. for a while there until he really sort of stuck in the la- the latter half of the Sharks and then this Bruins mm-hmm. series. But I'm just happy he got it because he's also he's a lesser a lesser he's like similar to Jay Bowmeister in a way where like he's been playing for an, a while he's mm-hmm. in his 30s yeah his early 30s maybe yeah. um, and he played with the Maple Leafs and he played with the Maple Leafs and they stunk I don't think I think that's the team that drafted him or at least that's the team the only team he played with before us mm-hmm. um, I still remember us trading Roman Polak whatever year that was. I was like, cool, because Carl Gunnarsson, I like his name. Mm-hmm. And so this is a good trade for me. Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. Um, and I think he's much more valuable than Roman Polak ever was they to this team. They gave us a fourth-round pick yeah. in that deal. I mean, <laughs> they, they, yeah, they came, the Leafs sweetened the pot. Yeah, which is a very strange when you consider. Uh, Gunnarsson, I've, I've heard rumors secondhand that he's considering going back to Sweden. Okay. Uh, obviously, as a UFA here, um, that oh that fourth round pick was Billy Huso, by the way, also oh, wow. a Stanley Cup champion, um, but not really. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yes, I don't. Yes. Gunnarsson is a guy we talked more about Steen and and Bowmeister, but Gunnarsson's a guy who might consider retiring, mm-hmm. just because, or especially like going back to Sweden would be perfect, just because they Less he physical. really is just not yeah capable of staying healthy for long stretches and yeah like you said going back there you yeah you're going to take a pay t- cut but you're probably going to be a big time player over there and you're going to be home and mm. you're going to be like you said less physical and you probably have a pretty good couple years there if you yeah. really want to early in this game i think he got plastered along the boards that knocked off his feet and his face slammed on the boards mm-hmm. and i was like oh no this could, <laughs> i mean play the rest of the game this might be like an all-summer injury yeah, for you for sure Carl Gunnarsson handed the Stanley Cup, which, by the way, the St. Louis Blues won. I don't know, in case anyone yeah. had lost track, the St. Louis Blues Oh, yeah. I think we're going to try to say that every episode until the Stanley Cup is handed oh, to yeah. someone else. At least, yeah, at least talk about the Stanley Cup Yeah, be like, this is, you St. know, Louis what's Blues. up everything? You know, St. Louis Blues, Stanley Cup champions, as we all know, moving on. They lost 5 nothing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> just go right into it. But just want to make sure everyone remembers... It's true. You can't, you honestly just can't let this feeling slip away. Braden Shin, kind of an up and down playoffs, I guess. A very Um, physical playoff. Yeah, yeah. I think he, I think he recognized his role was a little bit more the physicality. Mm. And he had the, um, he had the long goalless drought between like game one and some late last game of the Shark series. Yeah, something like that. Like really long. I don't remember him scoring at all in the and Dallas series. I yeah, I don't. I'm pretty sure he didn't. And uh, finally got the monkey off his back. I don't know if he scored two in the. I think he scored two. I think he got the power point, the one power point goal that we got. So mm. that's something. <laughs> but then he got the really big third goal in the seventh game of this series. So he had an ability to score when we really needed mm. it. He had one in one. I think game six of the Sharks too. Or maybe mm. that was his big one. His yeah, one I think where that was his deal breaker. His yeah streak breaker. But he was scoring. He scored. 
when we needed like more goals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you added to it. It might not have been like the game winning goal, but uh-huh. it was like just adding to uh, the lead, which normally you're like, well, it's not a big deal. But for the Blues and then the playoffs, it is very much a big deal. Yeah. You need to add to the lead. Um, and like you said, I think his game was much more physical. He recognized that his role was much more of a physical guy in the playoffs, and it seems to be when he's most engaged. It seems like during the season mm-hmm. when he's not being physical, he's just kind of there. Yeah. So I, I was happy to see him hitting. Man, there's a few times he missed a hit and he slammed into the boards hard. I mean, he looked fine, but I was like, wow. So if you hit that guy, they would have been like, I don't know, dead. <laughs> That's so true. I don't know. Again, don't know what his future is as far as resigning here. Mm-hmm. Maybe he doesn't, but I mean, nobody's gonna not resign here because they haven't, because we're not contending anymore, you know. Yeah. So that's we'll see about him, and we'll, he's you know eventually here we'll have to restart talking about the business side of hockey. <laughs> but right now we don't have it's to. It's a business. Someone who's not going anywhere anytime soon is the person who next got the puck, Robert Bortuzzo, who managed to dodge in and out of. Pittsburgh between the Stanley oh, Cup yeah. runs, so this was his first Stanley Cup victory. Uh, Robert Bortuzzo, I mean, we talked about the fight this year with Zach Sanford. Mm-hmm. Galvanized that was the strange. Team. I forgot this, but like three days later, Zach Sanford had been sent down and called up again, mm-hmm. and Robert Bortuzzo was given a contract extension. <laughs> that all happened in like a week's time. I don't know what that what that means uh-huh. but I know what it looks like <laughs> yeah for sure and I think with Bortuzzo you're looking at kind of like a, a higher end Chris Butler in a way we're mm-hmm. paying him like one and a half million for three years and he's here Supposedly to be a very good, sixth seventh defenseman good locker, locker room guy, guy. Yeah. and he's likable and he's popular and that's fine didn't spit and chick let's say he was like a, yeah or someone said that he was like a super likable guy. Actually, yeah. maybe it was 31 Thoughts. They said he was just like, everyone loved that dude. Yeah. And they were so happy for him to get his, his one goal that he got. Right. He got two, his actually, in the playoff playoffs. Goal. Did he end up getting another one? I think he did. Oh, I'm thinking of Gunnarsson had the only playoff yeah. goal. Yeah. Yeah, Bortuzzo got the one really nice one, and mm-hmm. I think that was in the Shark Series somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it like, ended up being close to a game winner, like a really critical one, and then... Um, I think he got one other one somewhere. But, yeah, I mean, he's, again, not in the lineup every night, Mm -hmm. but managed to take his opportunities when they came to him, and he's a Stanley Cup champion, Mm -hmm. as are all of the St. Louis (laughs) Blues Stanley Cup champions. Every one of them. Um, Colton Pareko is also a Stanley Cup champion. What a horse. (laughs) Just, oh, were we wrong. I mean, I, I know we've said it before. Our coldest take of all time about him being maybe just like an okay yeah. to good defenseman. I'll never still defend it by to. saying he's not ever going to be Chris Pronger. Well, that's true. When everyone's yes. like, he's the next that's, Chris Pronger. That's a, that's a convenient fallback to rely on. Yeah, like, well, he's not. <laughs> we're so we're right. <laughs> um, yeah, just an absolute stud. You know, I don't, I don't know what his production was. It was like a, maybe a goal, maybe two goals, a decent amount of assists, but that wasn't his role. It was him and J-Bo Meester, like we talked about with J-Bo, shutting down the other team's best line mm-hmm. consistently yeah, over and over and over again. And that's got to be such a hard... Like, a, the more I look at this team, the more I'm like, of course they won a cup. Because, like, how the hell do you beat 
a defensive pairing where you're like, oh, we got to go against Alex Petrangelo. Okay, he's off the ice. Put out these guys now. Yeah. Oh, now it's Colton Preco and Jay Bowmeister. Well, fuck me. Like, mm-hmm. every. There's. You get Vince Dunn for a little bit, and Vince Dunn's a great possession player. So you're just boned up and down this pairing, these pairings. It's of course they won the cup if they're that good. It's like holy cow. Yeah, yeah. And you look at that defensive core just in general, mm-hmm. and uh, Barubi. I'm forgetting names now. <laughs> Barubi had the sense to play those top guys like. 30 minutes a night through the end of the seventh round or the last round. Yeah. And that makes all the difference. In game seven, it was uh, Bowmeister 28 minutes, Petrangelo 25, almost 26, basically 26, and Pareko 27 and a half. And Gunnarsson was the next closest at 15, mm-hmm. you know? So you're rotating, you're not even always pairing those guys with other line mates. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're sending out Petrangelo. And Bowmeister, or you know, Pareko and Bowmeister, whatever the case may be, mm. and yeah, I mean, it's just that's a dominant defense. That's the kind of defense that helps you win championships. Mm. And again, those guys too, Colton Pareko, uh, Jay Bowmeister, just front shots all night long mm-hmm. in Game Seven, especially, just that's amazing. Just a great box out job by them on the Bruins, who are a very very potent offense. And like you said, the reach of Colton Preco. We'll just talk about him physically. <laughs> what a great reach. Oh, what a long just, stick that yeah. man has. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Talk more about his long stick, stick, Ian. I've said enough. Uh, equipment violation. Do you remember that? Like, oh my God. We, we've Was got, that this year? We, yes. We went back through a lot of our episodes, obviously, to make the intro that... Has already been made by the time we're recording. We're this loving it. Yes, it was amazing. I'm sure it turned out great. Uh, but <laughs> I, yeah, one of the ones I was listening to was that one, and it was that emotional. That was when we were like actually starting to improve, but didn't know it because that game happened right before the Western Canada road trip that Baruby says is like when we started to galvanize as a team because mm. it was that game and it was three to I think it was a three to two finish or maybe a four three finish in overtime and Pareko had the equipment violation that the NHL openly came out and was like that should not have been called but of course only after the game. So wait, and, we we won that game, yeah, right? Yeah, we won okay, that game gotcha. on the O'Reilly like breakaway on Varlamov uh, for Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is power. all coming back to me slowly. And then we were like, oh, this is where your season turns around. You have all the momentum. This is where your season turns around. The next game, and guess what it was? It was a Saturday or Sunday matinee against oh. Calgary. It was 7-2 to two Flames. <laughs> that was a roller coaster. But Colton Pareko... Really, I mean, just abs- absolutely leveled up this year. Leveled mm-hmm. up a couple of times. Evolved, even. and Mega Colton Pareko. <laughs> Pareko actually sounds like a Pokemon, mm-hmm. so that'd work. And, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what you do. I guess maybe you just find a way to pay both Petrangelo and Pareko. Because, mm-hmm. like, for a long time I thought you only keep one of those guys, but maybe you keep them both now. Yeah, if they're both this good, if you keep them both, it's a lot of money, but it's kind of like your defensive pairing of, like, uh, I was going to say, like, a Keith and a Seabrook mm-hmm. sort of thing, but even more dominantly as, like, maybe, like, a Kane and Taves, but of your defensive core. Yeah, and the left side is where we have seven million 
mm-hmm. prospects, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the nice thing is you can keep them. They they can make anyone on the ice with them pretty good. Mm-hmm. And so when Bo Meester retires, whether it's now or in a year or two, you can kind of cycle guys through there yeah. and not necessarily have to pay up to get a left-handed D. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm talking about this team like they're a cup champion that's like trying to extend a run of yeah. success rather than like recycle until they find the right formula. <laughs> that's nuts. Speaking of the right formula, Colton Pareko finally hands the cup to our wonderful, terrific, tremendous hero, Jordan. Should I should I do it? Sure. We haven't called him that. Since he became a real yeah, goalie, yeah, no, no, he used to just be that name. That was just that was all we knew him yeah. knew about him really, and now he is not that way. Now he's <laughs> the hero of an entire city. Yeah, what I mean, what a bonkers game seven! What a amazing story of just getting here, but on top of that, like just the bounce back. I don't know, attitude he has, the bounce-back ability he has. After every loss, it was just an amazing performance. There were a couple losses after a loss, but that second loss was like a fantastic performance that was nothing on him. Mm-hmm. Um, he had some down games, but it was like, like you said, you kind of knew, you know what his problems are, mm-hmm. and you're not worried that like what he is is just going to completely evaporate. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, I see what the issues are. Lateral movement's not great. Uh, can get beat on the wraparound here and there, but other than that, like he's a a very consistent goalie, which is all we've ever wanted. Was a goalie that was consistent and probably at least a little predictable in terms of what we know for him to be good at and bad at. Consistent, predictable, and maybe just a dash of truculence. <laughs> truculence. Oh, as a goalie, for sure. I don't think it fits, <laughs> but for sure. And Jordan Bennington, of all these players, had himself a parade. Mm-hmm. It was epic. Uh, Joel Edmondson got the cup next. Interesting postseason for Joel Edmondson. He became more of a role player than he had been in the past. Mm -hmm. More of an in-and-out-of-the-lineup guy. But he ended up looking all right in his moments in Game Mm 7. And I don't know, did he have a goal at some point here? He did. I think there was a goal that was... Gonna be a Jaden Schwartz goal, I think, and it it went went off like a a opposing player instead of Schwartz or something. But I mean, yeah, he's fine defenseman. We used to kind of think maybe he would end up being a first pair. Not that he was ever actually that good, but like, oh, he's paired with Petrangelo. That's a good, you know, those two guys paired together is really good. But yeah, he ended up being more of a third pairing guy, in and out of the lineup a little bit, trading places with uh, Robert Bertuzzo or being in when Vince Dunn's hurt. yeah, like I I liked his game. He had a few boneheaded plays throughout the playoffs and if we're being honest, other players did too. So it's not like it's not like he alone made mistakes. It's just that when you're a defenseman making mistakes, it seems to stick out a lot more cuz it tends to be in front of your net. Yeah. This is bizarre. I'm looking I just happened to look up his playoff game log to see when the goal was. It was game 1 against San Jose. But mm. his minutes go start at 14 then they go to 17 for three of the games in a row, then back to 14, 12, 9, then 15, 19, 26, 21, then 15, 23, 20, 19, 20, and then 14, 15, 16, and then 7, 
and nine. Oh, weird. And he also at the at the end there missed a couple of games in the Boston series. But like I don't know, maybe he was also dealing with an injury later in the series. Yeah, which could explain some of the poor play or some of the limited minutes. But whatever the case, it doesn't really matter because the man's a Stanley Cup champion, and he's going to get paid by somebody this summer. I don't know if it's us. It might be. I think. Ben, mm. I think that's an area where Armstrong will probably be boring and predictable, and just pay him. Yeah. And I kind of like to see him not be that way. It would be nice to see us actually tinker and know that, like we've mentioned a couple times, and we'll mention more in future episodes. This team won the Stanley Cup, and there is still definitely some room for improvement yeah. in certain areas. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of which, Jake Allen. No, sorry, <laughs> it was too easy. It was too easy. Oh, no. I you love, mean Stanley Cup champion Jake right. Allen. And I love two things. First of all, I love how sincerely Jake Allen seems to be enjoying himself. Yeah. I've never seen a moment where he seemed bitter at all about what's going on. And I don't know what his future is. I don't think he has a future here. But maybe, I don't know, maybe they work something out with Bennington that's cheaper than we think, and they're like, eh, we can let Allen finish at least this contract yeah. or whatever. Um, whatever the case, though, he has been like an absolute class act in the parades and in the social media and every mm. interview he's had to do. He just seems to be absolutely a gentleman about what the situation is. Uh, the other thing I'm kind of happy about, even though the circumstances were sh- crappy, is that he actually got to get in and get some saves in the Stanley Cup final, which, you know, yeah, he got chased. He only got put in because Bennington got chased, and yeah, he kind of let in a crappy goal right at the end of like a 7-2 to two game or whatever mm. it was, but I'm still glad the dude got some minutes. That's still kind of cool. So Jake Allen, I was just going to say, like, yeah, he didn't, wasn't didn't have the greatest season. Obviously, we all know that, but he did get 19 wins out of his like night. He went 19, 17, and eight. So like you know, a chunk of wins for us. So it's not like he. It's not like he didn't contribute anything. Yeah, he most certainly was a part of this team for the early half, and like you said, ended up having to ride the pine, but did it gracefully. Mm-hmm. Um, just a point to the Blues when Jordan Bennington I'm looking at the regular season stats and yes Jake Allen started 45 games he went 19 17 and 8 and then I'm looking at the 32 game or the 30 games that Jordan Bennington started and he went I know we all know this but it's still insane 24 5 and 1 like what Uh, you look like we knew that but how that's insanity. That's insane. That's literally insane. And also, um, Chad Johnson started seven games. Is that even believable? I don't remember yeah, him starting more than like three. It is believable because he got that one shutout and got like a couple close starts after that. Man, he went two and six. Yikers! But still, I'm like, what? I forgot he was even here, and I didn't even know he played seven games. Yeah, that's insane. Is um, he going to be on the cup? Chad Johnson? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Good question. You should have been at the parade. Bring them all to the parade. Mm-hmm. Robbie Fabry. It is awkward when uh, you look back at like the guys getting introduced in the new jerseys at the start of the season, yeah. and like O'Reilly's hugging. Uh, Bobby Plager and Chad Johnson's behind him. It's like, oh, oh yeah. boy. Uh, <laughs> Robbie Faber got the got the cup, the Stanley Cup, Lord Stanley's Cup, which the boys won, mm. from 
Jake Allen. Robbie Fabry, we all know his story, got to get a goal in game one of the Dallas series. We saw that live. Yeah. Looked better in stretches than he's looked most of the time. Um, then he's been fine, you know, mm-hmm. and... and Sorry, I got distracted by a text message that came up. He's been good in stretches during the playoffs, and he's, I don't know what his future holds either, but he's back on his feet, and that's cool in and of itself. Yeah, surviving this year was just an accomplishment of its own without any big re-injuries. I know he's kind of injured again, right, at like the beginning of the year for a little while, but yeah, I'm glad he was able to play some games. I'm glad he's got his name on the cup. I think he... I, I, no one really deserves to be on the cup until they win it, but I just feel so bad that he injured his knee and then re-injured his knee mm-hmm. for a whole year. That I'm almost like, dude, you just deserve to be on the cup for having to like emotionally deal yeah. with that crap because you're so young and you're like, I'm an NHL player, and they're like, okay, I'm hurt for a year, but we'll get back at it, and then you're hurt a whole another year. Mm-hmm. That's got to be just take a huge toll on you because yeah. what you've been looking forward to your whole life just got like ripped out from under you mm-hmm. so even just playing any amount of games i'm sure this dude's over the moon of course that they won the cup but to just even be here and have like two functional knees so good for robbie family yeah yeah absolutely uh the puck then goes to young c butts yeah. chris butler uh you know a very good days. locker room guy he, apparently defenseman hometown kid i think he was the captain of san antonio yeah. when he's there so did he answer? He answered questions um, by the media, sort of right when the Blues were starting oh, to turn yeah. it around. He was, I was like, right at he towards had that the end. Whole analysis. Thing oh yeah, he like about. literally broke through. Maybe because he's American, I don't know. Broke through the weird like, oh you know, we just got to play hard for each other and get pucks in deep. And it was actually like, yeah, it's most certainly a confidence issue we have. Like when you think you're going to be a good team and you end up not. Uh, performing, you start to question yourself and you start to question the people around you and you don't know if you believe in the system anymore and that just all of a sudden you're a fractured group and, and it was like, holy shit, this dude's like <laughs> pulling back the veil uh-huh. on like hockey. It's like we all knew this, but now he's actually at least confirming it. And I was like, yeah. well, what a, that's what I'll always remember. And I'm like, thank you, Chris Butler, for being a real person. Yeah, absolutely. For five minutes. And you know what? He deserves to hold the Stanley Cup for this team, I think. He's been here yeah. a surprisingly long time. Since we got, like, Paul Stasny? It was, like, was 2014 or something? 2015? Yeah, yeah, that seems right. I think he was here because I remember there was this big deal about they're both from St. Like, Louis. What a, like, life to live in a way, you know? Like, uh-huh. he's still making, even when he's in San Antonio, he's making, like, Great money, yeah. You know, I assume I don't know what they make, but I like five hundred thousand. Yeah, something. yeah. I would think high, high five figures at the very lowest, and probably not for like an NHL vet. You know? Yeah. Um. And then you just get to like represent your hometown team, and when you get called up, you're just at home, and like that's that's not bad yeah. for a guy who's like a fringe NHL player. Yeah, and he never looked like god awful when he was up in the lineup. Yeah, every time he's ever been here, there's been a few little plays here and there, but yeah. it's just like sometimes when Chris Butler it's gets like, beat and they get score on him, I'm like, yeah, they will because he's Chris Butler. Butler yeah. Like zero offense to him, yeah. but he's not gonna stop Patrick he's, Kane. He's an eighth defenseman. Yeah. What's he supposed to do? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of defensemen who are 
eighth lower in, our in the lineups, <laughs> but who I think will, as we've already mentioned, I believe, just jump up in the rankings next year. Vince Dunn gets the cup next. Mm. Um, didn't get to have an incredible run this year because partially because of the injury, mm. um, but still managed to. Uh, get a few points, you know, play a couple of close games. I thought the power play looked its best when he was on it. Yeah. He finished with, surprisingly, eight points, two goals and six assists uh, in just 20 games. And, I, you know, I really think he's a player going forward. I mean, this guy was 12 goals, 23 assists for 35 points in 78 games during the regular season and was a plus 14 on a team that had a really hard time with plus minus to start the year. So... We've talked about it before, a possession monster in the playoffs, not playing a ton of minutes and probably getting easier assignments anyways and taking uh, taking the draw. He's not him, but, you know, starting in the offensive zone more often than not, mm-hmm. I'm sure. But still, like, there was there were some stretches, there were some games there where he had, like, a 93 Corsi 4 percentage or whatever. Yeah. It's... That's amazing no matter how much you play, unless you yeah. play for, like, one minute. Mm. And that's unfathomable to me. And like you said, a really good job on the power play. Hopefully he becomes, like, our number one power play quarterback guy because he seems to be the only defenseman that's willing to creep in or shoot the puck and not be worried about mm-hmm. the odd man rush the other way, keeping his skates on the uh, blue line there. So I, I see, I think the sky's the limit for him. Yeah, uh, I think as much as we, the next guy to get the cup is Oscar Sunquist. Mm-hmm. I think as much as we knew Oscar Sunquist had transformed coming into the playoffs, I don't think we had any idea how important he oh, was yeah. to this team. He is like a centerpiece of this team. Now. Yeah, I still think somehow in all of the hullabalum, hubbalum, uh-huh. of uh, the cup win and. Ryan O'Reilly scoring all these goals, and every, you know every one of the huge core team core players showing up in the final game. I think Oscar Sundquist has kind of sank down in like in people's consciousness, uh-huh. and that, like you said, yeah, that dude is like a huge piece of this team now. I honestly like if I was saying people who we just could not have won the cup without, <laughs> he might be ahead of Tarasenko. He's definitely ahead of Shannon Schwartz mm-hmm. individually. I mean, he played 20-plus minutes some nights as a forward. The game he missed in the Stanley in the final was the one where they gave four goals on four shots on four power yeah. plays. He's huge for this PK. Yeah. And, is it, and it's not even like the rest of the time he was just shutting down mm-hmm. the, the perfection line. And I don't like... And he's got... Offensive threat on top of that, like you're looking at a potential sulky guy if he gets up into the 50, 60 point range, which maybe he never does, but like. I'll take like a 40, 50 point yeah, guy that's just I mean, a great insane. third line player. It's just unbelievable what he's become, and I can't. I find it hard to imagine, as much as I know that he's apparently a guy that, like, Bill Armstrong was interested in the draft way back when. Yeah. I find it hard to believe that when he was. The, <laughs> arguably the throw-in into the Ryan Reeves trade, yeah. that the Blues had any idea what he could Oh, they become. thought he'd be this. Um, There's a picture in the post-dispatch of him. I don't know what Bruins player he's on top of, but he pretty much has his knee on this dude's throat. 
and he's not looking at the guy, and it's the PK Subban. I'm trying to get up special, yeah, and I'm Subban like, good for special. you, Sunquist. You can get your pound of flesh. Yeah, absolutely. Good for him. What a run. Ivan Barbashev, the other guy we lost to suspension in this series. I wonder if them being back-to-back was... Like, ironic. Oscar <laughs> Sundquist, by the way, is so far down in this run because he's the one player that's held a Stanley Cup yeah. before. Um, that's the thing. It's like, no offense, Robert Portuzo and stuff, but, mm-hmm. like, if Oscar Sundquist hadn't won the Cup, that dude's like, needs to be in, like, the top at least eight people yeah, that touches for it. for sure. Um, it also is... It's also a little weird to me, though, that then, like, several other roster players Still are Still come after him. him. I don't understand how I guess because they're super young. Yeah, but not... Like, Ivan Barbashev, I guess, is... Nah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they are all pretty young. Well, he was last year's Ivan Barbashev. He had to... That's what put him in that spot. Yeah, that's right. Doug Armstrong. <laughs> he was going to come, like, seventh, and Doug Armstrong called down and just said... I got some limits, boys. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, we learned pretty how pretty integral he was, too, in Game mm-hmm. 6. I'm not saying that's all because he was absent, but it certainly didn't help. Yeah. Thomas was just not 100%, and he didn't look good in that game. But he wasn't going to because he wasn't 100%. And probably still a better choice than putting in, you know, Jordan Nolan or whoever on yeah. no playing time. Just props to Barbershop for bouncing back from, like, a very not good season. Yeah. Last year, yeah. Um, Zach Sanford, also a guy like Sammy Boy, who's coming up, so not like Sammy Boy yet. Forget <laughs> that I said that. Is uh, a guy who, when he got into this series, when he got into these playoffs a second time after yeah. being benched from like game four or three or four of the first round. Yeah, he didn't see any pretty much all the way until until game three or four in the second final round. Yeah. Uh dude stepped right up into the lineup, was raring to go, made an impact, finished with like four points. Yeah, he had like two back to back assists and games four and five. He had four points and was a plus four in the playoffs. I mean, that's pretty impressive. It. You know, in eight games, I'll take it for You're sure. You're right. It's such a big deal that our our wheel of bodies that used to be useless all became useful. And not only were they competent, all I'm asking for is for them to just be an, a fine player in that role. But, yeah, they contributed. They scored. Mm-hmm. Such a big deal. I'm glad he got that goal at the end. As I didn't even know in he was his from. Hometown. Yeah, I didn't even know he was a Boston boy. But when they said that, I was even happier. The pu- the trophy then goes to Sammy Blay, who a lot like Zach Sanford, I would say, <laughs> and I've never made this point before. No. Stepped into the series and <laughs> really paste. asserted himself. <laughs> that uh, player really inserted himself. It was a balls out move by Craig Berube mm-hmm. to say Game Six facing elimination against Dallas on the road. Sammy Blay. Yeah. That was, to that dude's credit, just like a brass balls move. And Sammy Blay rewarded him with like 10 hits and a goal in the first game and just didn't ever stop to look back. Mm -hmm. And now I see Sammy Blay as like one of your top 12 next season, Mm -hmm. 100%. That dude could easily just be on your third line. Yeah. I think, if yeah. With, like, with a little bit more rounding out of his game, I suppose. Like, yeah, he totally could. And he'd be a menace to other teams. He's the kind of guy, he's like, uh, obviously not the high end, probably, of this guy, but kind of like your Brendan Gallagher. Yeah. Where it's just like a nightmare a to pest. play against him. Because yeah. if you're avoiding his hits and everything, then he's just going to score on you because he's got skill, too. 
man does he he's he got some snipes yeah he really does he's a great young player and i'm excited to watch him to continue to blossom sixth round pick by the way he was like five nine 180 or something when we drafted him mm-hmm. it's like six two two oh five now or something people look i'm like 90 percent sure i've heard this before and it makes sense but like these scouts right they like look into these players like families don't mm-hmm. they where they're like yeah, I'm sure they so is, you have like your dad's got nine brothers like yeah and i'm like and they're all what and they're like oh they're like six eight and it's like okay <laughs> and you're like what five nine and they're like okay like yeah you know what we're gonna draft you and we'll see what happens <laughs> <laughs> and it worked out uh the final real roster player to get the puck was a bandaged robert thomas who had his hand all up in a bandage or a sling <laughs> Uh, All up in it. We there were points this series where this dude was the end or this season this postseason where this guy was the entire team pretty mm-hmm. much was just the driving force. It was against Dallas in Game Seven. Yeah. He was getting like double shifted, and he helped Maru. I mean, he obviously made the play really on that final goal in Game mm-hmm. Seven, and he made just friggin' set the clock. You could set your watch by how good Robert Thomas was being. Uh, That's his first. That's his first NHL playoffs. This is mm-hmm. his first season, and he looked like he belonged there. Yeah. So I can't imagine what he's going to look like with more seasons. He obviously got the got injured in sometimes in the Shark series, and it just kept up, and mm-hmm. so he didn't end up looking as good. But he didn't look really bad until the game he came back, where he just clearly wasn't ready yeah. to be back. Well, even then, we remember all those times that he had the puck, and it was like shoot it. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's a pass. Yeah. I was like, he'll learn. But even then, to be in possession of the puck and have all these scoring opportunities opportunities speaks volumes yeah. of like his play i can't i mean we've gushed about him for years now but i still can't believe how high his ceiling <laughs> looks to be and i can't wait to watch him to continue to mature uh from there the puck the cup i think i keep saying puck every time the cup the stanley the stanley cup the stanley pup goes to mckenzie mckeckern who made a little bit of an impact this year not mm-hmm. during the playoff run but Brought himself up from being a guy probably in the fifth or maybe even the unlisted tier of our prospect pyramid to a guy that has value as like a fourth line, kind of your, not even your, what's the guy? I'll never think of his name. Megan, Wade Megan. Oh, God. A better Wade Megan. You're like, I'll never think of his name. And then you did, and I would have never thought Mm -hmm. of his name. Yeah. I, it's weird. I remember him in a game against Montreal that mm-hmm. we just blitzed him in, I think, and he scored a really good goal against Price and just that that sort of that sort of thing that happened. You have Mackenzie McEachern, who I've barely heard of, a fourth line guy replacing whomever during the season and scoring on Carey Price like a snipe. I was like, oh, yeah. so is he good? Is he like a real player? Uh-huh. I mean, as far as I can tell, he would could be a very serviceable fourth-line guy for yeah. us. Or for any other team that wants someone with cup experience. Yeah, oh, that's right. But she doesn't quite have. <laughs> we can lie, though. Michael Delzato got it next. He never really got to be a part of this team much. But he played he like one or two A games. couple of decent games in the regular season. I'd say it was probably a little more than that in the regular season. Um, MDZ. But honestly, you know, I thought he... I, didn't think he looked terrible. I know a lot of people did think he looked pretty bad in some of his opportunities. Uh, but I don't think he looked super bad. Are he we played hanging seven on to games him? For, him, for us. No. He did? Yeah. Okay. I, I don't think he stays because he's he is left-handed, right? Yeah, he's a left-handed now. Well, let Mikola or somebody else take whatever 
shifts he might have gotten. But you're on the cup, I'm hey, sure. Hey, that's a win, you know? That's an absolute win for him. And that's, he got to lift it, and good for him. That was always an option. Jordan, <laughs> Jordan Nolan gets it next. That's like his seventh Stanley Cup, I oh, think. Oh, yeah, he was with the Kings for both of them. How many? Let's play the game. How many... Uh, how many games did Jordan Nolan appear in for this team? Um, I'm going to have to look that up because he's not even on the official roster. I'm going to oh, say he on. played... I'm going to say he played... Eight. Fourteen. Wow. Doesn't that seem like a lot? By the way, I do you remember we that this is the same season that Jakob Jarabek played oh, yeah. one game and was a minus three in, like... Eight minutes or less. Yeah, it was not good. Yeah, and we traded like a fifth round pick or something for that dude. I know. I know. All these picks what? are just a crapshoot, but that's still a bad trade. What a decision that was. His game log is one game long. He played seven fifty two of ice time. It was a minus three. Yeesh, that's gonna be a yike. For Started me. at the bottom. Now we're here. <laughs> Says the Blues. Indeed. Uh, no one. Mitch Reinke didn't get any minutes for the Blues this year, but he was a black ace, and I think he's got a pretty decent future. He'll probably be a guy that ends up moving up our prospect pyramid. I, he I think he's, he's our like one, one righty. Yes. You got a chance, buddy. Uh-huh. I guess. Yeah. Third pairing it's all yours i think he could well yeah i mean we've got a blockage there but i think he's got a little bit of that bench done in him yeah where he's more of a possession um shooting i remember liking him at like the prospect tournaments Uh and stuff so and yes he has a right-handed shot because we only brought him in two years ago or something from college Uh yeah i think yeah, absolutely. I think Billy Huso, as much as it's strange for, to be Jake Allen right now, it's got to be even stranger to be Billy Huso. Like, <laughs> remember, what's your future look like? Remember when I was your Jordan Bennington? <laughs> now I'm your Billy Huso. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he got to lift the cup. Cool for him. Craig Berube got it next. He got huge applause from the players, and I mean, we could gush about yeah. Craig Berube for as much as we once criticized him. I just never, Yeet. in a million years, I don't think anyone in the 90s would have thought this dude that punches people's faces in for over a thousand games in the NHL would ever coach a team mm-hmm. to the Stanley Cup Finals and win it. And I'm pretty sure at some point, and it may even have already been in the montage you heard, mm-hmm. have said, no way is Craig Berube the coach that coaches this team to a cup. We well, we've said that so many yeah, times. exactly. We were wrong, but were we wrong to think that at the time? <laughs> I don't know. Probably I don't not. Know. We're doing a lot of hedging our own bets in terms of self-criticism. Mm-hmm. Speaking of people we've criticized, next it goes to the one and only Doug Armstrong, who is now a Stanley Cup winning general manager. And I think he deserves all the credit in the world Oh yeah. for A, not breaking up the team, obviously, Uh but assembling the team, like yeah. as much as um, as much as we can talk about him not breaking up the team, boy was he close. But he got them all <laughs> here in the away. first place. Yeah. I mean, and and the cool thing about him, and the, I mean, this is usually true. This was true for a lot of GMs, but like him especially, like everyone who's here is here because of him. There's no one on this team 
that maybe Steen, like, did he not, was he I not guess, the architect of yeah. that trade? But, like, pretty much everybody is, like, either drafted since he came here. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he was in the organization for a while before. Yeah, I think he might have even been here, might have been here when Steen got yeah. traded, but it wouldn't have been his call. As the GM, yeah. because yeah. I think, wasn't it the Halak trade was, like, his first uh-huh. official trade? Uh-huh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, dude won a cup. Do you want to cut? Yep. He he wasn't still in. He I think he was in Dallas when uh, they. What was he there? One there, like a scout, like an AGM. What? I have no idea. That's so long ago. Yeah. No, maybe he wasn't. Maybe he was just with Dallas. I hear him talked period. about like he was important in Dallas, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, but wait, wasn't he like a young general? Yeah, manager? like aren't you fifty? Aren't you like fifty something ish? Yeah. Maybe, and so now you were what? You were like. He's 54. Okay. So he's, like, a, on the young side of So, like, he would have been, like, f- under 40? He would have been, like, 38 Armstrong or something? Armstrong joined the Dallas Stars organization in 1991 when he would have been 37. 36 or 7. Wow. He was appointed general manager on January 25th, 2002. He won the Stanley Cup as an AGM with the Stars oh, okay. in 99. He replaced Bob Ganey as GM with 32 games to go in the 0102 season, and one of his first moves was hiring Dave Tippett as head coach. He's the son of NHL Hall of Fame linesman Neil Armstrong. I didn't know that. On November 13th, in the wake of a 7-7-3 start and a colossal meltdown by the team and away against the Los Angeles Kings, Yada, yada, yada. Armstrong was fired and replaced by former Stars player Brett Hall. Brett Hall is a GM? GM, Apparently. Les Jackson as interim co-general managers. During Armstrong's tenure, the Stars went 210, 109, 35, and 23. Some important moves Armstrong made during the time as GM included the drafting of players like Trevor Daly, James Neal, Louis Erickson, and Jamie Benn. He also made a trade for Mark Ribeiro, Mike Ribeiro, in exchange for defenseman Yanni Ninema, which turned out to be beneficial for Dallas's offense, I'd say. And then uh, Imagine today's Brett Hall being a GM. Today's <laughs> Let's so Go drunk. Stars. Did you know Doug Armstrong is from Sarnia, by the way? No, I didn't. So he's almost from America. Yeah. <laughs> like by a mile. He sounds like he's almost from America too, also, by the way. And mm-hmm. um, also on May 28th, 29th, 2008, the Blues announced that they had named Armstrong as the club's director of player personnel player personnel after signing him to a two-year contract when the two years were to expire. He was to assume the general manager position after incumbent Larry Poe's retirement. Oh, so he was a GM in waiting. This so is he where he got GM that in idea. In, yeah, in 2008. Way to recover, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. He was Alex Dreen was traded here in November of 2008, so mm. he was here for that. I remember I might have been at Alexine's first game as a blue because wow. I didn't know who he was. And, that sounded really like, wow. And, like, no one else knew who he was. So I remember being like, I'm new to this team. Who's Alexine? And people would look at me and be like, 
I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. like, what? No one knows? Yeah, absolutely. After Armstrong, Steve Ott, Mike Van Ryn, and Al McKinnis and everyone else got the cup. Also, you know, all those guys have a role in this team, but we know who they are. Steve Ott, cool for Steve Ott. Yeah, that's More neat. than anybody. I don't I think. think he didn't win one no, anywhere no, else, no. No. <laughs> Remember when he tore both his he hamstrings? Because he was too young to be in the Stars in 99. Yeah, yeah. I think, so. Yeah, when you had the splits along the boards. Oh, God. And they were like, oh, this is a rarity. Yeah. Yikes, 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 Um Just what, what an experience. The St. Louis boys are Stanley Cup champions. And this has been a long <laughs> time coming, which yeah. is why you get a three-plus-hour episode devoted to how great an experience it was. And it's fun. I'm like, as much as I'm living in the moment and enjoying yeah. every second and watching all the... Instagram and YouTube and or and Twitter content, like I'm excited to kind of talk about the future of this team Isn't too. It? Isn't like, that kind of cool? Because it's like if we'd won in 2016, it, was, it would have been great. I'm not yeah. denying that, but there would have been a lot of like, oh, but it's also sort of the end of the era. Mm-hmm. Although maybe you probably keep back us at that point, but still, yeah, yeah, like. Uh, now I just think, like, it could be the start of, like, something really special. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying the repeat or anything, but, like, you're giving me odds on a boys' cup in the next five years? Another one? <laughs> I think it's, like... No, I agree. It's strong possibility. I agree, and that's what's so nuts, because before it's like, are they ever going to win this damn thing? Yeah. And now that they have, but also given, like you said, the players we have and for how long we have them mm-hmm. and what age they are, it's like... Holy shit, if they can do it now, they can do it again. Yeah, and and maybe they don't, and that's fine. We'll still have this. That's the fun thing but, about the future, the immediate future, five, even ten years, is that it's we'll be critical. We'll want the team to be better if they're bad. Mm-hmm. But it is also kind of like in a fun way, especially right now, all just gravy. It's yeah. like, oh, what will this team do this offseason? I Who mean, knows? I don't know. Think about this, and I don't mean this to badmouth the Cardinals, but the Cardinals have missed the playoff three years in a row and are plummeting towards a fourth. I think this is their fourth. Maybe this is just the third. But in either case, the general manager who has orchestrated that got them through 2011 and is still not particularly on the hot seat. Yeah. Like, you win once a decade, and there's, like, no questions to be asked. Yeah, well, um, yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, the future is so bright for this team, and I'm so excited for it. We're going to be back here in less than a week talking about, like, pre-draft stuff, mm. and then we're doing post-draft stuff over the weekend, and then we're doing free agency stuff the next week. It's like bang, bang, bang all uh, day, all week, and I'm excited. I'm I'm just excited. I'm excited for this podcast. I'm excited for this team. The city was amazing. The parade we already discussed was amazing, and in its own unique way. In its own unique way, yes. And I'm just excited. I'm excited. You're excited. That was this season <laughs> the too. Sponsors are excited. This season was a journey from Eugene Melnick. To a Stanley Cup under the arch. <laughs> Think about that, St. Louis. This is a nine-month season. <sighs> it's like practically starting like October in that far away. <laughs> Holy crap. I'm going to be in Traverse City. You may be with me in uh, like a month and a half. <laughs> it's insane. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, there's no good way to sign off from a three-plus-hour episode. From a Stanley Cup winning episode. Stanley Cup extravaganza. The gang won the Stanley Cup. They did. And we've got a lot to be excited about in old St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Let's go Blues. Stanley Cup champion. Oh.